It's the ITC. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Pro Wrestling Edition as we fill your prescription for Marknesia with another lethal dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, indeed, the voice that you hear. Just about ready to unleash yet another loaded show you simply won't want to miss. Look, folks, it's a crowded space out there in the combat audio game. There's a lot of losers out there. This podcast, though, features nothing but winners. People pay to see winners. They don't pay to see losers. That's what I'm talking about. We'll have plenty of reaction to the week that was in WWE, including the NXT UK special from across the pond. Yes, two days of extra wrestling to catch up on. We will also chat with the boss herself, Sasha Banks, who gives us her take on Ronda Rousey's progress, whether her backstage heat is real, and whether she agrees with us that she's humongously underused and underpushed within WWE's current women's division. We will also announce the viewer's choice winner for next week's pay-per-view rewind match. And speaking of user participation, if you have yet to let your voice be heard regarding the show, please do so now. By pressing pause on the record. Yes, pause it right now if you're driving. Don't text and drive. Pull over. Hit up Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume fine audio. Take the 60 seconds to give us that five-star review. It's the best way you can pay back all these free hours of Mark Milk spillage all over the place. Absolutely gross and disgusting. Wash your hands when you are done. But without any further ado, let me welcome in my co-host. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, yeah. All this man really wants is for everyone else to shut the F up so he can talk. He's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now. Uh, so we always tell people to subscribe, rate, and review, right? But what we don't do is tell you to tell your friends yes. and follow us on Twitter at In This Corner CBS. The only way the ITC can grow that our group of loyal listeners and followers can expand is by telling your friends and promoting the show. Our boy Tristan puts the sign up at, at WWE pay per views. That's fantastic. We, we got to put that guy in the payroll, by the way. We got to get so talk to marketing, talk to payroll. Get this, get this guy. Let's go. Let's hook this we'll guy. Get him up. some merch. We'll, we'll get him some merch. But uh, you don't have to go that far. I mean, I'd love that you do. But what you need to do is turn your friends who are wrestling fans onto this show. We want our audience to grow. We want to keep bringing this to you every week. And the only way that's going to happen is if our numbers go up and the man in the big chair understands that ITC is passion. Wow. Wow. This is strong style. This is ITC and Silver King. In a few minutes in the main event, we will definitely go deep on all things UK, WWE and NXT UK, as I'm sure many of our listeners have joined us in furiously streaming the two WWE Network specials over the last 48 hours. But Adam, if you're a true wrestling fan or just a fan of sports in general, you must, and I say must, and I know you already know this because you turned me on to it, have a Roku streaming player, the device you plug into your TV to unlock thousands of live streaming and on-demand channels, including that free CBS Sports app. You want to watch Nick Costos in, in clean and in clear HD zoom in on any, you know, 
any missed markups on his face here. Make sure his makeup is looking fine, dressed in those high-priced outfits. You want to watch CBS Sports HQ. You want to be streaming it on a Roku player, if not just the WWE Network in general. Now, Adam, you know, it's awesome. You've got subscriptions to all the professional sports league apps available on the Roku platform to stream right to your TV. What else should people be doing with this Roku? I mean, you can literally do everything. And we've discussed this, you know, week in and week out here, uh, whether it's Netflix, whether it's different uh, providers, uh, like Brian said, all the sports leagues, all the networks, um, not just broadcast, Fox, CBS, NBC, but cable, MTV, USA Network, et cetera. They all have apps, even the premium channels, HBO Showtime, you know, et cetera. So, look, anything that you want to watch, you're able to do it on the Roku. I've been telling you guys for weeks, it is my favorite streaming device. The good news is it starts as low as $29.99. That's for the basic model. That's actually the one I have, the streaming stick. I absolutely love it. If the good folks at Roku want to send me the 4K or the HDR version, hey, Silver King's got an address. You can send it to me anytime. I absolutely love it. Look, summertime is here. It's hot outside. My office is in Fort Lauderdale. I cannot tell you. It's brutal. The last thing I want to do is be outside all day. I want to come inside in the air conditioning, chill, and watch some WWE on my Roku. You can get one, too. Visit Roku.com. That's R-O-K-U.com. Learn more and start streaming today. Wow, great passionate read there from from the Silver King himself. That wasn't I, I, read. That was off the cuff. That's that's what we call off the cuff. That's days. off the cuff programming. I I can get behind that. I can also get behind digging right deep into the show, putting my hands right inside the feel holes of the ITC universe. Wow, how pretentious of me to declare our listeners the ITC universe like I'm some intergalactic WWE corporate suit who's like, we need to connect with our universe. You know, get off. So corporate, bro. Yeah, exactly. Get off. Anyway, it's time for the main event. This is the main event. All right, so we're going to kick it off this week with, with something that, I mean, it just pissed me off on Monday night, and it's really the only way to put it. We get... A fantastic bell-to-bell 28-minute match between Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler, the entirety of which, it was an Intercontinental Championship rematch, by the way, the entirety of which was used to set up a face pop for Roman Reigns coming in to save Seth Rollins. So we're going to discuss this thing top to bottom and and Raw in general throughout this show. But just tell me, how sour did that finish leave you feeling after the match? Uh, it, it straight up pissed me off. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, the thing, it's a weird divide here because the presentation was not awful. I was surprised how many people were adding me on Twitter at CBS and being like, Cams, don't you get it? This was great. This extends the storyline. It spins off. It adds new people. It goes in different directions. You people are missing the big point. You inserted Roman Reigns in something that really he doesn't belong, doesn't have any connection to, just to go back to the bank one more time and gratuitously push him as a babyface and use the rub off of others to try to get him to the level that they want him. And it was painful because... 28 spectacular minutes of an IC title rematch that had been hyped for a week that I got excited for, that I knew would deliver, that I thought might have been WWE eh, maybe reacting to the really good matches we're seeing in Japan and saying, we have the same athletes who can do stuff like this. We don't have a pay-per-view for another few weeks. We don't have one every two weeks like we had. Let's let these guys roll out and do it. And that's when, Adam, everybody's going, dude, it's a Raw match. 
Don't you expect it to end in a schmaz and a non-finish? No, I don't, because last week was a title match with a title flip that told me anything was possible. So I was a little upset at that regard, but certainly the bigger thing is the Roman, the Roman aspect, the Roman stain. Yes, maybe this means we're getting Dean Ambrose back and we're getting a Shield reunion. But even that, Adam, is gratuitous in the moment because Roman Reigns is wrestling Bobby Lashley right now. He's not involved with Seth. Stop interlocking things that don't need to be there. Let Roman live or die how he's going to live or die because you made this bed, WWE. You're sleeping in it. Sleep in it. Live and let happen. You set Roman up to be like this, then let it play out. Stop trying to use every trick in the book. I said it last week that I thought Roman was going in a good direction, that WWE had inner secret plans. I, how can I believe they do after this? That's called being, uh, what's that word? Wrong? Yeah, you were wrong about Roman Reigns last week. There's a couple different things to touch on here, and you kind of brought up most of them. I didn't mind the schmas finish of being a schmoz finish. I didn't mind McIntyre interfering, okay? Or or them doing something where Ziggler wins via DQ and, and continues it on because ultimately WWE wants to pay this off at a pay-per-view at Extreme Rules, okay? If, if they're going to change the title back with Seth Rollins. The problem was, where was that? San Jose? That crowd on Raw Monday night was incredible. Top to bottom, the entire show, it was buying in. It even put over Roman's promo against Bob Lashley, which I thought was extremely entertaining. Said and some of the best work he's done on the mic ever, maybe the best since John, the John Cena feud. So they were buying into everything. It was great. That crowd was ready to effing explode if Seth Rollins won the title back. That would have been a huge moment. Not that Rollins needs to be catapulted to a different level. He's already on that top fandom level, right? But that moment is one that you remember. It's like when Dolph cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase and winning the title. That crowd would have gone absolutely nuts. So they lost the opportunity to do that. And what, when, when there was such a long time between the Drew McIntyre interference and Roman Reigns coming out, what do you think fans thought was going to happen? They thought Dean Ambrose was going to come out and save Seth Rollins. Or Jason so Jordan. You, I've, I saw a lot of that Jason in my time. Jordan, that would have been yeah, fine. Basically, anyone else could have gotten that rub and that heat except for Roman Reigns. He did not need it. And granted, he did get some cheers. But every single time Reigns is put in that, that type of position – he gets the cheers in the moment, and then immediately once he's separated, they go away. So there's no long-lasting rub on stuff like that. And you shouldn't be needing to get your top guy rub from your former IC champion who doesn't have the title and would just put on a 28-minute match with Dolph Ziggler. So while I was upset to see that the, the awesome match, which I absolutely loved, it was creative, it was great, booked obviously by Tyson Kidd, and not that I had to tell you that. Um, Fantastic. So while I loved that match and I really wanted it to pay off, I went in knowing they're probably not going to pay this off. But for them to do it that way, I said it on Twitter. It was insulting and it was unacceptable. Yeah, and psychology-wise, the McIntyre run-in made perfect sense. They cheated to win last week. The, what right. made this Rollins match the second time so good was Rollins had so many near falls on some of his secondary and third finisher attempts. But when he went to set up the real finisher, that's when the interference happened. Look, it's like it's psychology. It makes sense. I get that you're building toward a pay-per-view, like you said. But certainly the Roman thing just, just mired it, where if it had been any of those other names you mentioned, I would have come out of here feeling much more happy. But because it's Roman, it ruins a lot of things. And you said, well, just admit it. You're wrong. I mean, I'll always admit it. I'll sit on the L if I have to. 
I take it. I, I'm ready to take it. They, I, I thought they had a better plan. But what's still in play here, and I'm not going to give WWE enough credit to think that they are going in this direction, but what is still in play by putting Roman and Seth right back together is the long-term potential of a Roman heel turn into a Seth feud, and maybe that's why the belt was taken off of Seth, and I know that's asking WWE to, to give the fans what they would really want, right? Roman and Seth teaming up and then breaking apart and Roman turning. I mean, it would be fantastic. That is still in play. A Shield reunion has to have an ending, not an ending like we had a couple months ago when when Roman got sick and then Dean got hurt and we didn't do anything with it. It has to have a storyline ending. The right storyline ending is to get back together just to break up again because now that trio are two big individual stars on their own. There's too many egos involved storyline-wise to stay together, to need to stay together. So they could still be in line, Adam, to pay this all off and make us happy. But I think this week showed us that why would we have that confidence? And if this is just involving, let's take a Roman-Bobby Lashley feud, which like you said, was turning in the better direction this week. Roman allowed to give a a real man's promo. Urban speak, right? Allowed to really talk <laughs> like, like somebody who might in a fight. The idea of just merging two feuds together so we can have more gratuitous six-man tag matches. Ah, yeah, yeah, you know? Urban speak has to be your wor- like the worst thing that's come out of this thing. podcast. I mean, it's hysterical, but it's just so bad. Um, Yeah, it, it's just... Could they turn Reigns heel against Rollins? Yes, they could. I think fans have been pining away for an Ambrose heel turn upon his return. And them changing that plan and throwing Ambrose back into this babyface character that no one really wants. Not that he's bad at it. He was over. He's over as a face. But people want this guy to be an actual lunatic. Not Riot Squad lunatic, but like real lunatic, right? Um, so... Throwing that onto Reigns, I guess it would accomplish what we've been asking them to do, but it would come at the cost of Dean Ambrose not being able to do that. And when he returns is still unknown. You know, I think it's later this summer they're projecting or early in the fall or something like that. So I don't know. Yeah, I think when you do a lunatic fridge baby face, by the way, you're essentially just projecting somebody with mental illnesses and pushing the stigma that more Ronaldo is trying to eliminate. When you have a crazy heel, though, it's still accepted that, well, he's just a maniacal person, right? So before we move at least a little bit more full into the Reigns perspective and and really what's going to happen with him, Bobby Lashley, and even maybe Brock Lesnar going forward, it's worth noting that the 10 p.m. hour of Raw, hour three, was the highest rated this week. That has not been the case for an extremely long time. And not only that, every single hour progressively was higher rated. Again, that does not happen with WWE Raw these days. And you know why it doesn't happen, BC? Because they stopped giving us legitimate main event matches that allow us to stay tuned or tell us at the beginning of the show, hey, if the only thing you're here for is wrestling, stay until the, you know, yeah. check back in at the 10 p.m. hour, they play right? the ratings and- game, which makes us as fans angry. We know the, the 9 p.m. and the 10 p.m. are their two biggest rating blocks outside of that opening segment of Raw. So it's like they put their best stuff there. Let's get back to what they did Monday night. It's not that hard. Give something as a carrot that we chase that say, well, you know, I'm not really that into WWE these days, and I was going to go to bed at 9.30, but damn, I got to see what happens in that match. That's how you book TV. That's how you build it. You are, the That's... money's guaranteed, WWE. You already have the TV contracts for next year, right? It's officially announced yesterday. Everything's good and plentiful in the land of WWE's stock prices and bank accounts. Can we go back to programming this crap the way we're supposed to? It's not sports entertainment. It's pro wrestling. Let's go. Besides all the issues that doomed WCW separately, the way that Monday Night Raw, or I guess then Raw's War, was booked during the Monday Night Wars, okay, was this formula. 
It was let's progressively get more exciting, intertwining these storylines, and then a big payoff right at 11.05, right? That is how it worked every single week, and that is when Raw was at, it, at its best. So we can criticize the booking all we want. The one thing I saw from Raw this week, and, and Raw's been better three weeks in a row altogether, okay? They've really stepped it up, you know, after this paper, this last pay-per-view. The thing I liked about Raw is not only did they build up from 8 to 9 to 10 p.m. hour, they had intertwining storylines. They had characters in different divisions, men and women, just as an example, interacting, tag team division and singles division, et cetera. And that, again, happened on SmackDown. That is, we've been asking for that. And it's not difficult to book. You saw the, we're not going to talk about it on the show, thank God, but the Ruby Riot, Jinder Mahal segment, right? I thought it was terrible for myriad reasons, but at least there was some interaction back there. Something different happened. You saw AOP deal with Titus at, at Worldwide backstage, and then it paid off in the ring later in the night. These are not tough things to book. It's it's just it's show running and storytelling, yeah, and that's a, what WWE used to be good at. Attention to detail in the mid-card. That's what I always used to preach for because it makes you care about these other yeah. people you know, beyond the main eventers. Well, let's get back into the, the Brock Lesnar yeah. thing is a giant elephant in the room because it's connected <laughs> to every single storyline in a way because we thought we were going to get a multi-man match at Extreme Rules to find the next Brock Lesnar competitor. So you got everybody from Finn Balor to Roman Reigns, everybody referencing Brock. Well, we saw that social media storm leading up to Raw, which was really staged tweets from Paul Heyman right. at Kurt Angle to really sort of, you know, talk trash. I didn't even really read those because once you get a hint that they're kayfabe, I was like, yeah, whatever. They'll talk about it on Raw. I don't care. Well, this now seems pretty big, Adam. And the key here, and I know Dave Meltzer teased on Twitter that he's going to have a, a lot of inside detail this week when he comes out with his, his long rag, if you will. But just for <laughs> right now, let's speculate. What is actually real and what isn't from the storyline development that is Brock Lesnar found a contract loophole that somehow claims you can't book a multi-man extreme rules match to produce his next opponent? I don't think they came out and said Brock said he won't wrestle at SummerSlam. I think some people are pushing that narrative on their own. What do you like? I don't really know where this is going, but the uneasiness of it. I'm interested because it feels like they're either playing off of real life things or trying to make us think they are. And anytime you do reality based stuff, I'm going to get into it. Yeah, that's a good point. If that is what they're doing, it was so the explanation on Monday was so bad. Yes. And it's, and if it was explained the way it was written, it's so convoluted that it legitimately does not make sense. Right. And on top of that, and this is a quick aside, but I'm going to get immediately right back to this Kurt Angle I love him, okay? And on screen, I think he does a fine job, even though he flubs his lines occasionally. Kayfabe-wise, he's the worst GM in WWE history. Like, everything is going wrong on this guy's watch. He can't book matches. He has no control over his roster. He makes a match one week, and then literally the next week, the main event of this upcoming pay-per-view gets completely changed, and we don't even know what it's going to be. He's got and now some we have ball two- jerk controlling him. He sweats all the yeah. time. He's in a bad yeah. spot right now. And now we have two Raws until this pay-per-view with no main event from the Raw side. Like, what the hell are they doing over there? Okay, now actually getting into this, I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, so they they announced this multi man extreme uh, multi man number one contendership match. They don't even necessarily call it an extreme rules match. They then book Reigns and Lashley in the match last week. They come back this week and say no that multi man match, which they didn't even designate whether it was going to be four, five, or six. They couldn't even make a decision. Okay. We're not going to do that, and we don't know what we're going to do, but Reigns and Lashley are still mad at each other. Yeah, it's like it, it makes us, it makes you think that one they don't know what they're doing, but two it teases you into fearing 
that this is only a storyline setup to try to make Roman look better if he is the one that finally goes over Brock. Because they're doubling down on the Brock doesn't care crap. I can't believe right now in real life, Adam, that Brock, who just re-signed the day after Mania and probably did so for a lot of money, is going to be in a spot where he's going to hold them and try to create like a real screw job. I would have believed that heading into Mania. I would have believed the idea that maybe Brock is like, you know what? I'm going to take a couple years off WWE. I'm going to give UFC one last run. Screw them. Whatever. I don't want to do this finish the way they want. I'll argue with them. Signing this couple month extension, it doesn't give me that that feeling that he's going to screw them over. I kind of feel like, if anything, this is more of a storyline tease. There's also been no proof that Brock is difficult in terms of his storylines and match results. Like, yes, he was able to go over The Undertaker twice. But we don't know that he demanded that. Um, that AJ Styles match, like, he sold like a mother for AJ Styles in that, right? He didn't need to do that. Well, we know he, that he's not easy to work with on details when he's not bought in. We learned that from the Dean Ambrose sure. 32 Mania match. Of course, of course. And from, like, Braun accidentally giving him a hard way and Brock just literally <laughs> losing his mind uh, and punching him real in the face. Um, stiff in the face, I meant. Uh, but, but you mean business-wise? He seems to be sound business-wise. Yeah, there, there doesn't seem, especially when he's getting paid. Right. And it's not like a, it's not like he's on a three year contract and it's the end. And they're like, we want you to job to James Ellsworth. Like they're losing to Roman Reigns, as an example, or Seth Rollins or any legitimate main eventer shouldn't be something that you would think he'd thumb his nose at. And Paul, you would think would if, if Lesnar was upset about something like that, would be able to convince him otherwise in real life, not kayfabe here. So it, it's it just doesn't make much sense what they're doing. I mean, it, it was reported, I think Meltzer said on one of his shows that. Brock needs to enter USADA testing by Friday if he wants to wrestle at some point in 2018. Yeah, he's got six months to go on that suspension that he cut in half, the UFC 200 suspension that he cut in half by retiring from MMA, thinking, I'm not going back to UFC. Well, he's got to finish that out. And to finish and that they out, wanna... you got to publicly declare, I'm back and, in the testing pool. And they would want him to fight on that December card, ideally. Yeah, right? the New Year's Eve card is typically one of UFC's big ones. So. Okay, so, so he's got to jump into that thing on Friday. And if that's the case, well, extreme rules in a couple weeks. It would have made sense to have a match there. And if not then, SummerSlam, it makes sense to have a match there. So WWE is really painting itself into a corner. And it really, we, we I say it all the time, it started with them not just putting Roman over at WrestleMania, which I wanted in the moment despite the crowd reaction. I think many people just wanted it over with. I don't want Brock with the title anymore. So what are they going to do? He either fights at SummerSlam and loses the title, fights at SummerSlam and wins the title, in which case, what the hell's going on? Um, doesn't fight at SummerSlam, in which case they have to strip him of the title so no one gets the bump from beating him. There's no positive outcome here because they've completely bungled this at the greatest Royal Rumble. They could have just done a title change there and just wiped their hands with it. Yeah. He didn't lose clean, but he did lose, and, and that's it. But instead, they're just dragging this out. And I think it was punk related. It was punk trial related. It was let's just get punk off of our books. It was a lot I of don't stupid think crap. I don't think it was. I think it's all connected, and I just think, look – Brock's not going to be back after this title for a while because he has more options in UFC than he has in the past. The heavyweight division is very thin, meaning they actually could put Brock right into a title match against the winner of heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier, who are fighting just in a couple of weeks in Las Vegas at UFC 226. And, you know, Cormier has already come out and says, I, I want Lesnar before I retire. Dana's White is coming out and saying, you know, Brock still wants it. And then Brock also has that big money fight potentially with John Jones. Now, John Jones has a much more complicated USADA suspension situation. He's got a hearing coming up soon. It could be a suspension as high as two to four years. If he can work his way out of it by having a good excuse, it could be less. But my point on that is 
When Brock came back at UFC 200, it was basically a one-off money grab. Let me see if I can still do this. Let me scratch another itch. I think he's got at least two, maybe even three money fights left at UFC that could keep him away from coming back to WWE for a while. So you just got to get the belt off of him. I think he will give up the belt at SummerSlam. I think it'll be to Braun Strowman. And I think this is a smoke screen right now. But I will say, WWE, I'm interested in your smoke screen. I'm not mad at you for it. I'm just mad at you that we're not seeing Brock and it's this like delayed crap. Like, you know, like it's just, I, I got a little bit of mixed emotions in there. Well, I'm, in, I'm interested, but if the result is going to be a one-on-one match where Reigns beats Lashley in his second WWE pay-per-view match and uses him as a springboard, Lashley gets buried again. Reigns gets a win after losing to the revival. Like, like it's okay for Reigns to lose occasionally, but this guy is jobbing at this point. And you can't have this guy keep losing matches because the win then doesn't – no one cares about the win. Like, it's okay if there's one or two losses and they have to fight their way back, but Reigns loses all the time. He's your top guy. As much as people might complain that he wins all the time, he really doesn't. Who beats him? I mean, he lost a stupid tag team match. Multi-man matches, tag team matches. Yeah, but those I, don't I mean, count, though. He loses to Brock every time they fight. Like Right, and that's lost, the storyline of that's the one guy you can't lost beat. lost the Intercontinental is... title to The Miz on Raw 25. I'm just saying he loses plenty, is what is all I'm saying. He loses way more than Braun Strowman loses. Well, that's a, I don't know if you can get away with that. He lost to Miz to propel him to the title level. He loses to Lesnar because they're playing it as part of the storyline. Losses in multi-man matches where it's his partner's fault. It's not I'm just saying. I'm just saying this. People act like he wins every match he's in, and he really does not. Yeah, every singles match, he pretty much wins. Every singles match that matters, he beat Samoa Joe for absolutely no reason. He's every every match that matters, unless it's for a title, he wins. All right. Yeah. Well, we're going to see a. a, a str- we know we're going to see a SummerSlam main event my, that involves the two is, of them and Strowman. We know it. So let's just get there. Yes, I mean, look. Ultimately, if we're booking the damn territory, my guess is Roman w- walks to the ring. They start announcing the match. Bronze music hits. He cashes in immediately at the start of the match. It's a triple threat. Fans go nuts. Braun wins, whatever. I agree. But regardless, it's just I, I'm, I'm, along, I'm along for the ride. I'm okay with being along for the ride, but I am completely uh, a pessimist on it. I just don't think that's there's not any a surprise. The Silver King be, doubting well, something before just, he sees it? He needs to see proof before he can say something might be good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not breaking news ex- here. Excuse me. I've been more powers of positivity than you the last couple of no, weeks. So no, let's not no, do that. No, but one no, more no. thing on Brock Lesnar that you brought up. You think there's two or three more. UFC money fights, and I'm not trying to turn this into the MMA edition of In This Corner. Um, is there really? Because the Mark Hunt match was a joke, right? He obviously failed the test for it, and wouldn't Cormier or Stipe just beat the crap out of him? So Cormier or Stipe, in theory, now Cormier would have, uh, Stipe would have a better chance. Brock doesn't take punches well, so Stipe would have a much better chance. Cormier, a smaller heavyweight, although he's undefeated as a heavyweight. In theory, you can talk yourself into the idea that Brock could wrestle his way to an interesting match. If he, let's say Cormier wins. He fights Brock. Brock loses a respectable decision. You still can make uh, Brock against John Jones as like, hey guys, this is John Jones's heavyweight debut. I mean, look, the, the truth is Brock versus John Jones in any form might break your pay-per-view record if, you, if you're UFC. So that's why I say he may have two fights in him where the general consensus theory is you're going to get one Brock. You're going to get one time with Brock, so cash him out. No, I think you can get two maybe even three with creative matchmaking. There's a lot of old heavyweights around. Maybe even three. See, I'm not a uh, UFC maven or anything like that, but I think any one of those three he fights embarrasses him, and that's the last match he has. Like, I don't know. I don't see any – I mean, maybe Cormier he beats, but I don't see how he beats well, He's Stipe not going to beat any elite. Beat Look, Brock, Brock's not going to be an elite person anymore because the, the freak athleticism days are over, and you can even argue back then when UFC's drug testing was not, almost non-existent whether – 
you know, you can, you can argue, you can fill in that blank however you want to back in Brock's prime. I'm just saying this version of 40-year-old Brock who all only thing he can do is wrestle and his athletic explosion is not what it once was. And if he's really going to go through the USADA testing process, won't have that extra level explosion. Brock's not going to be any elite person. So, But with creative matchmaking, maybe against smaller names, a light heavyweight moving up like a John Jones, you might be able to do some things. That's all I'm going to say. He's not going to win these matches, though. He's, he, but he's so money-driven that I could see him wanting to cash the ticket. UFC is so absurdly... Desperate's not the right word because they just signed the ESPN deal for huge money. Desperate's not the right word, but they're shameless these days in what they've done with CM Punk and what they're willing to do to put anybody out there for ratings. That's all I'm saying. No, that, that's fair. And I, look, I would much rather see Brock Lesnar in the octagon than I would see him carrying a big red stupid belt that hasn't been seen on TV since the greatest Royal Rumble uh, when the guy's completely absent champion. So something I do want to see even more... Daniel Bryan, right? He's been great since his return to, to WWE in-ring competition. Um, I think we've both gone back and forth plenty about, are they using him the right way? What does the future hold for Daniel Bryan? Well, Tuesday night on SmackDown, we got a little glimpse into what the near future held for him <laughs> when he went one-on-one with Harper in another main event match on a big WWE show that didn't pay off and ended in a schmoz finish. But the good news on this one is the guy who ran in was not Roman Reigns. I had like 18 people tweeting at me. You must have popped for this. Of course I popped for this. Why? Because this is how you use Kane in fun, nostalgic moments that doesn't necessarily affect a main event title or a push. You know why people are mad at Roman Reigns? Not because of Roman Reigns, Adam, but because of Vince McMahon. And why were we or me going insane on this show six, nine months ago? Because Vince McMahon gratuitously pushed Kane in a, in a triple threat match for the damn world title. What, like, what the hell? This is how you use Kane. This was great. Correct. It was nostalgic. It was team hell no. It was great. You asked a very interesting question, though, off the top, whether this was the right use though of him and look this just came in literally like 15 seconds ago if i can find the soundbite it is it's a dm slide from brian owens at owens 11b with a topic that i think is on a lot of people's minds he says guys why why am i supposed to be excited about team hell no coming back kane isn't that good anymore and i feel like it's just going to hold up daniel bryan in the long run am i in the minority of thinking this that's going to be a take you may have. I don't know yet, Adam. I'm going to find out. That may be a take that some people have. I'm fully okay with this. This is the perfect level of nostalgia. We have to get Brian from this point at June whatever to the last week of August. You don't have to start the Miz feud right now. I'm going to go out and I'm going to guess we're going in the direction of Miz, right? It seems like we are. This is a way to get there and to take up some time. Because, by the way, Adam, you know what the best part about SmackDown was? And the best part about this Brian versus Bludgeons was? It wasn't the Kane running. It was the Miz to open the show. Holy crap, was the Miz awesome. Like, this was a show material from the Miz delivering an A performance. We're going to get there. This is just fine with Kane. First of all, you jumped on me with that. It's got to be Kane. I was leading up to it. I, was, I had the cue uh, ready I'm, for I'm you. Itchy. I'm itchy. Itchy trigger finger. I saw it. So that's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah. Like, I think people misunderstand that when we were hating on Kane a few months ago, it wasn't Kane. Just like it's not Roman. It's the booking. And putting Kane in main event matches and title matches on Raw, allowing him to beat Finn Balor clean for no good reason, just to set him up into that you know situation. Um, having him fight Lesnar for the universal title in the main event of a pay-per-view in 2018 made no 
sense. Having him come out to save Daniel Bryan for a nostalgia play to reform Team Hell No made sense, especially against a team like the Bludgeon Brothers, where a smaller person saving him wouldn't have necessarily done much. So you know I hate the Bludgeon Brothers, right? In terms of the gimmick, I like both guys. This was perfectly executed. It was a long enough delay where you were really confused as to who was coming out. And then when he came into the ring, they built up the hug again, just like they did back in the day. It was so perfectly executed that I was almost surprised. I was like, where are they going to screw this up? Because we have we have six minutes left of show. What's going to go wrong here? Kane's going to choke slam him. Something's going to happen. Like, And it didn't. It didn't happen. It was perfect. Okay. Uh, they even cut a social media promo with Renee Young after the show with them still not being on the same page because they just were back together again. They were trying to talk at the same time, just like it was back in the day. So it's really nice. And yes, you're 100% right. This is all biding time until The Miz. And anyone who doesn't see that just does not understand wrestling. There's a difference. Whoa, between whoa. Do, no, don't throw Brian Owens under the bus here. No, no, no. He, he's not saying anything uh, that's strange. He's asking a question. But there's people on Twitter saying, this is terrible. Uh, why aren't they starting The Miz feud? Well, they're not starting The Miz feud because they don't, just like they did, okay, when they when they ran, I'm trying to forget the, I'm, I am totally forgetting the feud that I was going to use as the example. But when they take six months to build up a pay-per-view and they run out of storylines and they start repeating themselves, they're not do, they don't want to do that with The Miz. They probably have four weeks of good story to lead up to that first match between Miz and Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. And they're, we have five, four weeks or five weeks to get there. They're utilizing that time. They're doing something else fun with Daniel Bryan, and they're going to get us there. It's different from the cast situation because no one in their right mind wanted to see that match. There were better guys for Daniel Bryan to fight. That was Samo- fine. That was a fine first. Samoa Joe could have put him well. over. Other guys could have put him over. There were more exciting feuds where you get the guy that you really like featured, okay? That's why that was bad. This is totally different. This is a really smart move that they're making, in my opinion. No, it, it absolutely is. And I just have to reiterate how fantastic The Miz was. This is my show. My show. He owns the damn show. Him teasing the, the for the Bludgeon Brothers to be the new Miz Taraj and just the the acting and the playing and the inserting of, of you know, TV and movie, behind-the-scenes jargon, absolutely perfect. We're going to get there. It's going to be awesome. When we talk about the booking the damn territory, the future of Daniel Bryan— we're in good hands. So let's see how this goes. You're going to get a pay-per-view title match with Kane and Brian, one that you'd actually pop for. I don't think he needs the belt. We're going to obviously talk about that as we get closer. He could have the belt if, if they got a story to tell, but you're going to get Miz. That's what we need. Off the top of your head, Adam, though, who do we need Brian to face at Mania? If I tell you now that Daniel Bryan will be facing Miz for at least Chapter 1, at SummerSlam. That's the discussion for me right now because you got to re-sign Brian the week of or the week after SummerSlam and you got to give him the incentive that he will be pushed as the guy or a guy or a 1A, 1B guy, but a guy in the A category. (laughs) Uh, I don't think he needs those assurances. People are acting like because Daniel Bryan was talking about dream matches that he wanted to have in Mexico and Japan, that this guy is somehow motivated to just leave his cushy job, and I say cushy in terms of money, prestige, uh, reality shows, you know, his wife's situation, et cetera, job with WWE to go hock it, and I don't mean the indies disrespectfully, but hock it on his own on the indies, you know, booking his own flights and and, and well, doing all this on, stuff. Hold on, time out. You're black and whiting it. You're black and whiting it that says no, he could think- do one of two things. He could either go back to WWE or he could say, F you, WWE, I'm going full-time indies. I would have to assume that the gray area is the more realistic that he would try to position himself as a Chris Jericho free agent to the level of what these guys like Kenny Omega want to be doing, which is Look, 
I want to do WWE for three months, but then I want to do all in and do this and that. That's what Chris, I think. Chris Jericho is the first WWE undisputed champion who gets along exceedingly well with Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon had to have fans basically beg him to put Daniel Bryan in the main event of a pay-per-view and give him the title at WrestleMania, okay? So there's no comparing Chris Jericho and uh, Daniel Bryan in the eyes of Vince McMahon to me. Not, not whatsoever. So I'm completely lost with you on there uh, on that and there's also people screaming in the office about some world cup stuff so i got distracted in the the middle of my point here Uh, i think what's more important than answering who he's going to fight at wrestlemania and i don't mean to dodge your question here is win the miss just hedge it okay there's a finishing move he just gave the the oh the the camera zoomed out okada style here comes the silver hedge go ahead i mean funny this isn't even okay whatever um i think what's more important is when do we think the miz feud is going to start are we sure that it's actually going to start at SummerSlam because I could see a, a world in which they keep delaying it and almost start it like leading into the Rumble and pay it off completely last match between them at WrestleMania. I think that world completely exists because WWE does not necessarily want to put Daniel Bryan in the title picture, or if they do, they don't want to necessarily give him the title until he resigns, or even if he does, res- if he does resign, maybe not after. Maybe they want a year. Maybe they want to make sure this guy can actually roll. Yeah, that's interesting, and the idea that they need to find out themselves that he's going to be there for the long term. Because, by the way, even before the head injuries, he has not shown you that he can consistently carry a belt for a long time without last titles. Hurt. The last two titles he won, he had to give up. Yeah, so I mean, that, there's a truth in that. Your idea that we tease in the past of doing this very long term, which means revisiting it every few weeks or months, but never really doing like a three-month right. block where we get three pay-per-view matches. Yeah, I would love that because I think this feud is so big and has already had so many teases when Bryant couldn't wrestle, and has already been such a long story that there really is no reason to microwave it summer to SummerSlam. And it would remind me, by the way, of what they did with Cena and Reigns last September and what they did with Brock and Braun last September. By the way, the same pay-per-view. When they're, or maybe, it was, maybe it was pay-per-views apart. I, mean, I think it was the same night where they microwaved and fast-fooded both. And they were fun and great, but they were one month and then they were over. Okay, let's not do that with this SummerSlam. So that it's going to look, it's, we're going to have to wait and see. It's going to be interesting. But when we talk about next year's Mania, if it's a long play to Miz, that's great. But it's got to be something massive. It's got to be a Roman Reigns for the title or an AJ for the title. I mean, or a heel Nakamura for a title. It's got, no, it's got to be even bigger than that. And Nakamura's got dogs biting his legs, by the way, these days. We don't have room to get into that on this show, but holy crap, what the heck's going on there? But yeah. no, it's got to be massive. You got to play the hot hand of Daniel Bryan as long as you have him. You got to play it. No more I, of this. I, I, see, I think you can elongate the Miz feud into WrestleMania because that's the match. The money match is Daniel Bryan Miz. I know people will say it's AJ Styles, right? Or they really want him against Nakamura or Samoa Joe. And those are all matches I really want to see. He's on the perfect brand with the perfect matches for him in, in the next calendar year. But the money match, the one that has a vignette, not a vignette, a package that could run for five minutes leading into the match is Daniel Bryan and Miz. And they can add to that, like, like you're kind of saying, over the next few months and give us all those other matches or a couple of the other matches. Well, here's in the, the problem, inf- though. The only problem with Daniel Bryan and Miz is that it's not a WrestleMania main event match. It's an enduring WrestleMania match that you're going to talk about forever that may steal the show, but I'm serious. It's not a WrestleMania main event match. Daniel Bryan against AJ or Daniel Bryan against Roman is a WrestleMania main event match that you would have to have the big title on board for. What if Miz beat AJ for the title and Daniel Bryan won the Royal Rumble? Well, you just booked a scenario that could work. 
what I'm saying is I don't think they would do that. For some reason, they love Miz. They lean on him. They give him his own show on E. They push him. I don't think they are going to push him again on the level where he will be a big title holder for a long time. He'll get another drink of the cup, and he deserves it, by the way. I And, and it's the same lack of confidence that I have that Daniel Bryan will be booked into what he deserves, which is a long-time title run that like AJ is having right now. So I have fear that they, they look at that and they say, well, look, that's a specialized blood feud that we're going to milk and we're going to love and it's going to be great, but that's going on at 8.30 on, on WrestleMania night, not going on at 10.45, bro. Possibly. The question is, would it go on at 10.45 at SummerSlam? And I don't think it necessarily would either. So if, if WWE doesn't see the main event money in this payoff or blow off to the feud. And by the way, SummerSlam would not be a blow off to the feud. It would be the start. Yes. And then you're, then you're getting the blow off to the feud, not even at Survivor Series, because that's now a brand versus brand pay-per-view. Maybe you get it at the Royal Rumble. So you're going to wait four months, right, to get the blow off to that. So I don't necessarily know how they're going to book it. But that, in my opinion, is why I feel like paying it off at WrestleMania is the best case scenario. But for anyone, the point is, for anyone that's concerned that they're not giving Daniel Bryan a meaningless feud right now, they're clearly biding time. And I think there are way worse things than they just did run with Cass that they can do with Daniel Bryan than reform Team Hell now. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. K. Okay. Kane, I'm in. Glenn Jacobs, I'm back on. I'm going to vote for you, by the way. I'm going to mail in a vote so that we don't have to see you on Raw anymore. But on SmackDown, it works, so let's keep it going. Hey, let's get into the final spot of the main event because I'm fired up about this, Adam. Well, you weren't last week when I brought it up and asked if we could discuss it, but at least you are now. At least you've come around. Uh, WWE, uh, really NXT, uh, over in the United Kingdom. Uh, they taped it last week. They just aired it Monday and Tuesday. Uh, the UK tournament special, which, by the way, was originally going to be called King of the Ring, which I popped for, and somehow they just tossed that out of the window again. I can't get a King of the Ring tournament. Why can't you guys bring this back? It works. You just get rid of the the stupid crown and, and the stupid cape and stuff like that. Anyway, um, not only was the two-day tournament really exciting, uh, there was a title change. Uh, Mustache Mountain won the NXT tag team titles off of the Undisputed Era. Uh, also, Adam Cole and Shayna Baszler defended their respective titles against UK competition. Uh, Triple H came through and announced that there will now be a brand new NXT UK division, which will air a TV show, I think, weekly on WWE Network, beginning either in late July or early August. They haven't announced an official date. There's going to be three titles for it. Uh, the UK title, which I think they might rebrand the NXT UK title. Hopefully they do. Women's title and tag team title. So I just laid it all out for you, BC, everything that happened over the last two days without getting into some of the specifics. But what do you think of the presentation that they put together for this event at Royal Albert Hall and the announcement of the NXT UK division and TV show. Well, let me give you a big picture look at that and the two-day special as a whole. Um, I wasn't excited coming in. That may have sounded like a sour take. I'm going to be honest. It was it was fatigue. It was fatigue of, if this thing's good, <laughs> here's more wrestling that I need to find time to watch when I'm already locked into things I don't necessarily want to watch. And I say, Ron Smackdown, you say, PC, you're crazy. You're, you're sour grapes. Well, sometimes I don't want to watch it on the same level that I want to watch NXT or 205 or even Impact. I, I actually like Impact, but I'm like seven episodes behind right now because that's what happens. But after watching it, holy crap, did I come around. And quick uh, negative take on WWE. Uh, this has to be live. Like, we don't have to go long on this, but it's 2018. Yeah. Enough of this crap. Like, it doesn't work for when Bellator MMA keeps trying to pull these uh, international shows, uh, tape delayed when everybody finds out who won in advance. We're wrestling fans. It's the modern times. 
We are conditioned to get up at 3.30 a.m. for New Japan's big cards to stream on an iPad from under our covers. We, we should be able to do this. If you're going to make us care about this and you're going to change a damn title, do it live. It's trips, all right? But with that so said. I agree, so, so I agree with, just real quick interjection. I agree with that statement for a tournament like this where you're going to have title changes and title matches and things like that. I think for a weekly show, it can still be no, taped. That's and fine, if that's it's fine. taped, it's fine. That's fine. All right. But overall, okay. obviously, I've come around. I've come around to the point after watching uh, an obscene, insane amount of hours of UK wrestling now over a two-day span. I think I may need this in my life. In fact, this is what Trips is doing now as a whole with NXT, with 205, and now this UA- UK thing. Adam, I think he's building a revolution of his own within WWE. He's the in-house Kenny Omega of the of the revolution who's not only building WWE's future for when he takes over down the line, but I think he's personally defying the tired ways of Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn and the fact that I think WWE's main roster, which is more about TV ratings, merch sales, and 50-50 booking so everybody's a star than they are about compelling stories, I'm starting to believe that Trips would hang. He would bro out with us. We could have a beer with Trips, right? He's on our level. He likes the same wrestling we do. NXT is obviously his cup of tea. I'm on this show saying NXT is how I want my wrestling. NJPW is how I want my wrestling. Adam, this UK tournament, it's pretty much how I want my wrestling. Trips, you're on our side of the fence. You hate this crap too, bro. Look at all this crap in this ring on the main roster. You hate it too. You are now building. The alternative to the main roster in your own company. We're going nuts because we love NJPW. He's building his own inside WWE. And it's only going to get bigger. And it's fun to watch. And in trips we trust, bow down to the bow down to the damn game. Holy crap, Adam. This special was good. I suddenly care about the specific UK competitors outside of the ones we already knew about. And I suddenly go, say to myself, Camps. You got a lot of hours in the week already committed to boxing and MMA. You're already watching Raw and SmackDown, trying to keep up on NXT and 205. You know you don't have time for this, bro. But I might think I might want to watch this and NXT and maybe start to really fast forward through Raw and SmackDown and not just like smear it on my gums and rub it on my face. Maybe just check in and out. Like, am I I going crazy? Am I wrong? Am I just angry? Because this is simple, gritty, manly pro wrestling this is what i want anytime somebody ran in at the end of these matches did you see the coffee brothers they ran yeah. in at the end of that four-way match all dressed in black simple effective devastating reminds you of the damn four horsemen and jim crockett promotions this is how i want my wrestling you you yeah i mean i think nxt is how i want my wrestling nxt uk is Close. Uh, most of the stuff I enjoyed most over the two days actually did involve current NXT superstars. And that's not anything at all against the UK division. I'm still learning their talents and I'm still learning their abilities, but they haven't really put, had a chance to put themselves over on the mic. Um, a couple of the UK versus UK tournament matches were a bit slow in plotting. And again, that's not saying I don't like it, but with the stuff that really amped me up was when the UK guys were able to show the ones that are top level, okay, we're able to show how good they actually are against the top level guys in NXT. The Mustache Mountain tag team title win over Undisputed Era, the six-man tag British Strong Style against um, Undisputed Era with Adam Cole, the, the trio, uh, you know, that were all ones that are healthy. Um, those two matches were outstanding. The Shayna Baszler match against Tony Storm was very good. 
Well, we want to get the, the second. I, I, let's play macro here. Don't get micro for a second. I'm no, 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 no. The I'm, feel I'm, I of am. it felt I'm, like the cruiserweight classic in the sense that it felt like real. It felt like real people trying to win a sporting match against each other than it did some of the WWE theatrics. Well, well, I was using this to get to the point. As much as I enjoyed all of that, the tournament itself was okay. And and the done match, the, the final match was great. The rest of the tournament was fine. Uh, it didn't necessarily hit all the feel spots. It was more, these are some good matches. There's a couple good moves here. The finishes are interesting. Sure. You know, but I don't know these guys' finishers yet. I, I don't really, most of them I had not heard of. Uh, you know, I know some people really follow the UK scene quite well. That doesn't make me any of a lesser, le- lesser wrestling fan that I don't, um, and I'm willing to educate myself, but uh, it, it, it wasn't hitting all the field spots. The tournament, the rest of it and how it was presented and the final match of the tournament, all in. Full underjuice, milk of Marknesia, flowing everywhere. Was very happy to watch the six hours of broadcast over two days. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I preferred specifically the NXT UK product, which right now I can only say were those tournament matches to NXT WWE. Well, they'd have to and, show us more. Or anything else. At this they'd point. have to show us that they can do a weekly show that right. has compelling backstage stuff that has flowing themes of we we're going to get behind this match. Cause, cause look, I, I guess the realism thing I'm saying is it makes me feel real. Like these guys are getting in line in the standings of like a real fighting organization saying my goal is the title. The only thing right. that's going to take me away from my goal of the title is if somebody attacks me after a match and then we have a grudge match and it's simple and basic. We're in WWE. You're always in this world of like, who's getting a title shot. Why do they deserve it? Oh, this doesn't really make sense. You yeah, know, well, like, the, the just, simplicity just is the real. key. I mean, it's, it's why we like NJPW so much. The storylines are simple. Jericho thinks he's an alpha male, doesn't like that other guys get more praise than him and think they're main eventers, and he's going to beat the hell out of him until he gets what he wants, and, and he won the title. Omega wasn't able to beat Okada. The one time he did, it didn't quote-unquote count because it wasn't really for the title. It was in the G1. And get, finally gets over after 18 months of not being able to you know, get the job done and win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. NXT, Velveteen Dream, wants a guy to say his name. He thinks another guy sucks because he's from the Indies and he's a homegrown talent. These are easy, simple storylines. So, yes, in that vein, the Cruiserweight Classic, the Mae Young, the Women's Division, um, NXT and NXT UK, they're a better product from a storytelling perspective. But there are some things that I'm not necessarily going to buy into until I actually see it happen. Like Johnny Saint, as the general manager, this guy's a legend. Okay, no offense to him. It was clunky and kind of everything he said didn't necessarily – Make the most sense. He needs some coaching up. He's an older man. You know, he, may, he hasn't necessarily done a role like this before. So that's not hating on him. I'm just saying the presentation was fantastic overall, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's my second favorite show when I haven't even seen a legitimate episode of it yet. You know what I'm saying? Wow. This guy's Silver King. Hard to please. But uh, I was pleased. I loved a lot it. Of... I loved both days. Uh, you know, you know, somehow the, the, the Silver King analysis always has to end with a with a you know dark cloud and no silver lining on there. But that, that's fine. That's how the you get lining, down. The silver lining was that a lot of the guys were impressive. The matches themselves didn't necessarily hit the feel spot between the two UK competitors. All that's right, all. Let me give you a few things. And by the way, this is obviously part of what we already know as a larger Triple H plan to take over the world, to build NXT satellite brands and maybe even weekly TV shows all across the globe. So in that sense, the news that also came out is that WWE is looking to do some kind of partnership with Pro Wrestling Noah in Japan, similar to what they're already doing in the UK with like progress. We know Hideo Itami is going to re- uh, return to Noah and have sort of a crossover match there. It's interesting because it could get us more towards the idea of 
the kind of wrestling in terms of people going where they want to that we want and not this Vince McMahon structured I mean, on my team no matter what. You're comparing WWE letting out specific talents, not champ. I mean, Adam Cole's a champion, yes, but not like main event champions um, to promotions they're familiar with that they have relationships with to WWE suddenly being willing to do something with NJPW well, or that, that's where you get honor very black or, and white. And that's why you say there's no revolution until you see it. I'm saying for us to ever get to that point, you have to start small and have things like this actually happen. So it's like, I it's just a don't small get the, I don't get the infatuation. I understand for the independence quote unquote, and I don't mean that insulting, but all of them working together and exchanging talent and having multi-brand cards and matches. I understand the attractiveness of all of that. But WWE, that's not how WWE was built. WWE was built by crushing competition, and then once it was down, stepping on its throat and ending its life. Right, but dude, okay? guess what? That's what, this, that's what this industry is. It's what it's always been. That doesn't mean it can't change. Well, but what? I'm okay with it changing on one side and WWE still trying to be that dominant monster on the other side because that creates national, natural conflict. And if fans start liking the interpromotional matches and they per- start preferring that, then WWE is either going to have to change its ways or just buy everyone up and, and, and do it themselves. Well, and what? I think what Triple H is doing is he's creating a little bit of that. He's creating enough promotions within WWE that WWE can have its own interpromotional matches. Like, if you, if you had Velveteen Dream AJ Styles at a pay-per-view and, and Dream was still in NXT, are you going to pop massive for that? Of course you are. That could be an interpromotional match. So those are the things WWE is doing internally. They're not going to reach out to All Japan or New Japan or Ring of Honor or Kenny Omega. Hey, Kenny, well, why don't you come in for a match a and beat one of our guys? Come on. One, you just reiterated my point that that uh, Trips is building his own revolution within the WWE. But two, you were like, well, look, that's not the way WWE was built. Well, yeah, it's not. But by the way, Vince, not going to be around forever. And by the way, Vince, your days are numbered. And I'm not talking about death, by the way. Well, actually, it might be because Vince is not gonna Vince is not gonna be alive and not be running WWE. So we know that. So maybe I am talking about death. But Vince, your days are numbered. I think you hear him knocking, and I think he's coming in. And his name is Trips, and he's got a different vision. And I don't know how the dynamics are gonna work when that day comes, Adam. When that day comes, when Trips is ready to grab the wheel with two hands, and Steph's hand comes on it. And Shane's hand comes around the back door, and there's three hands on the same wheel. I don't know how that's going to work. I really don't. But I Man, hope that this, Trips— You want this Shane-Triple H match so bad. I hope Trips puts them both in the pedigree, bro, and steps up and <laughs> king of the castle in his own marriage and says, Steph, I got it from here, and then we see what can really happen in wrestling. Anyway, that's another story for another day. This UK thing, a couple quick points here that I like, okay? I like Zach Gibson. He was the guy from the first match. I said, I hope he makes the finals. This guy's yeah. solid. He's gritty. And boy, did they put over that old school Shankly Gates shoulder submission. They let him you almost win the title with it in the end. Loved it a lot. This British strong style team, fun to watch together as a trio. Obviously, it's Mustache Mountain with Pete Dunne. Uh, that pop for Mustache Mountain winning the titles was big. It was exciting. Yep. It was not surprising because we knew about it coming in. It would have been surprising live, no, no question about it. Those guys jumping into the crowd, fantastic. But they're a little mismanaged here, okay? Bade is way better than Seven, who's more of a com- comical guy. Like, Seven's got huge Marty Jannetty potential all over him. And Chew Adam, I don't know if that was the right move. Like, I know it was the right move to pop the crowd, but in believability in wrestling, I don't think Mustache Mountain is beating the Undisputed Era, nor do I think they really should. Did you have any issue with that? I had no issue with that at all. And I hate when they do title changes for the sake of, like, environment. Like, when they had Rob Van Dam win the... Now, I know the plans were different, but they had Rob Van Dam win the WWE title 
as ECW champion and merge them together, which really should have merged into the ECW title. I thought that was stupid. So when things like that happen, I don't like it. I didn't mind this one because those guys are on NXT all the time anyway. They're not a separate brand. So they're already part of that NXT universe. They often appear on shows. They've been on takeovers, etc. cetera. Um, and I don't want... No spoilers, no spoilers, but I would be surprised if they keep them for an extent, those titles for an extended yeah, period. Me of time. too. I and, get why they did it, but all right, next point. Pete well, Dunn. no, so, well, so the other, the other point uh, was seven and bait. So seven's is, I think he trained Tyler bait. That's his trainer. So that's that relationship. That's why they're so, I mean, that's not why they're different, but that's why there's such a difference between them. One guy has gray hair. One guy's 22 years old or however oh, young Bates bait fantastic. is. And he's going to turn on him big time, put him through the barbershop window and cut off that mustache right on the top of the mountain. Hey, Pete Dunn's a friggin' star. You already knew that. I already oh. knew that. He's got everything I want except for size. So I don't want him to ever go to high school, Billy. I don't want him to ever get ruined on the main roster. If he can be indie NXT UK 205 crazy star Pete Dunn for the rest of his life, I'd buy in. I'd dial in. That number he can. Right he can also cut a promo too. Like he literally is the entire package. And it's it's simple things. It's the unique way he holds the title. It's the stuff he does with his fists. Um, it's the that fur vest that yes. he wears open over the awful. The singlet's awful. That's, I hate singlets. It's ridiculous. Come on, it's 2018. Um, <laughs> so except for that one part. Uh, everything else that you're right, he's a star, and I don't think the size is an issue, man. If Daniel Bryan and Rey oh. Mysterio can be WWE champion, there's no reason. Yeah, to but they dumb. have high flying styles. He's a bruiser weight. I mean, look, Big Cash was right about one thing. Size does matter. He's also unemployed, so maybe we can't take that uh, to yeah. with a grain of salt. But I think he could be a high flyer. You could be AJ Styles would be that. I don't want Pete Dunne in a Vince McMahon run territory. Thank you. My final point on UK because we can't be in this main event for two hours is you know what I need more in my life. Do you know what I need? I need more Tony Storm. I need a lot more Tony Storm. But it's not really all about, like, it's somewhat about that. I mean, we're, we're grown men. It's 2018. But I need a lot more. I need her to be the face and the star of the damn NXT women's division. Holy crap. Like, not that I didn't already know that from the Mae Young Classic, but I certainly know it now. I was shocked that, and I don't know what the scenario was, that she wasn't signed after the Mae Young Classic. If it was money, give me a break. Um, if she had scheduled dates to finish up, okay, I guess that does make sense. But it's almost a year later, and the fact that it took that long to get her under wraps, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen an independent women's wrestler and said, WWE. Yes. Besides Tessa Blanchard. Besides Tessa. Uh, yes, Tessa's there too, but even, Tony's even more so, I would say. Tessa has the in-ring ability. Tony has the total package. Yes. Yes. So I'm with you, though. She, she's a star. I'd love no to problem. have a Yapapai Indian strap match with her. I'm telling you, because you got to <laughs> understand what the main priority is. The main priority is, is to get the body in the proper position for the strapation dudes. Gosh, that's awful. Wow. Hey, that'll wrap up the main event this week. Thank you, UK. I, I'm, I'm, I care about you now. So thank you, Trips. I care about you. You know what I also care about, Adam? CBS Sports HQ where you can listen and watch me talk about fights each week and break them down. You can see Nick Costos every weeknight. And now you can also get the CBS Sports HQ newsletter. Yes, get the best highlights and biggest sports stories right in your inbox every single morning with that CBS Sports HQ newsletter packed with all the good stuff you need to see before you start your day. When you wake up and go to check those DM slides, hey, check the CBS Sports HQ newsletter first and you can find that and sign up at cbssports.com slash hqdaily to subscribe. Adam, we're going to have to go into lightning round for for this, but hey, we've done it before. It's time for Hero or Zero, and I'm a zero right now as I try to find the button. You are a zero, my hero. 
Hey-o. Waiting for that button. I mean, your eyes were scrambling on that soundboard right there looking for that thing. Um, you know, it, we've been getting into lightning round edition, but the whole point of Hero Zero is that it's fast. So it's fast every week. It's going to be once again this week, BC. Let's start off uh, in last week's NJPW G1 special in USA conference call. While on that call, Kenny Omega said it's time for the wrestling business. And he's pretty much talking about WWE to ease up on the us versus them mentality and allow a money making idea like a in ring New Day versus the elite match feud to happen. Omega also identified Tommaso Ciampa as his preferred opponent should WWE ever ease up and allow cross-promotional matches. So, hero or zero to whether, while Vince McMahon is still alive, we will ever see this. I kind of feel like we just discussed this. Yeah, we, we did We did steal from the offering plate a little bit, but no, we will not see this because Vince McMahon is far too old school. The real debate is whether we should, Adam. And I think you stand on the line that says, why should we? I say... As a, as a fan who's naturally meant to be greedy, right? Because I want to see things that entertain me because guess what? There's a lot of other entertainment options out there, whether it's real sports or TV or whatever. It's a lot different days than the 1980s when I myself had, what, 10 channels on my, on my TV and no remote control when I first started watching wrestling. I need you to deliver. And I just think what Kenny's saying is not wrong. Everybody can make money off this. Kenny coming to, let's say Kenny came to WWE and did a big SummerSlam feud for two months and then went back and did what he wanted after that. It would be great for everybody involved. You're the more times rigid, black and white, sensible guy, Adam. I say zero that it'll happen to v, v, while VKM is still here. I say hero that it should. Could it under the, the WWE business structure in your mind, though? No, it's a zero in both ways. Why, even if it quote unquote helps everyone, why would WWE use its massive promotional machine to promote a match in which potentially its superstars might lose to Kenny Omega that's not on one of its shows to build up his brand and the brand that he comes from? Because if they're promoting Kenny Omega, they're going to have to promote New Japan Pro Wrestling and they're going to have to promote the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. This is the guy who's going to bring the title to the ring. The match happens. They win. They beat the WWE. Maybe one of the... You can make an argument one of the greatest tag teams ever. Well, he's not going to win, though. Let's be honest. He's not going to win. It'll be either be like a smudge okay, so finish. Every or... time there's a cross-promotional match with WWE, the WWE guys yes. always win. How boring is that? It's an absolute zero. It's um, not boring. For, Does it get uh, a chance to see him and AJ again, for example? No, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to see it. But, Kenny, if you want to fight AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura and Daniel Bryan and The New Day and Roman Reigns and Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano and Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream... And Ricochet, you know what you can do? You know, spend six to 12 months as IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Champion, I mean. Go ahead and sign with WWE. And then, that, work, that and then work five or six days a week and, and grind yourself into a... a negotiate, negotiate your contract. Brock Lesnar did. Here's the thing, though, all right? That's an outdated way to make a living, the WWE. It's, it's an outdated... There's not another profession where you have to work that hard and get, honestly, that underpaid comparatively. Maybe... Maybe besides UFC fighter, by the way. There's no other profession where you really are that underpaid for the amount of grind, physically, mentally exhaustive that you have to do. These guys are the real heroes, the revolution guys. They've said there's a better way. Not everybody should be like, well, if you want to wrestle. Those guys, those guys not just grind in the ring and do it with uh, perhaps less. Here we go. They don't have the WWE doctors. Hey, how'd that WWE doctor do with CM Punk? How'd that work out? Okay, that completely different situation. Still works okay. for them. Still works for them. Okay, yeah, well, not not for long. Okay, I have a feeling it's not for long. Okay, um, and, and allegedly on everything, just because we don't want to get sued by anyone. Um, 
not, not it's not just that, BC. These guys, you're acting like they don't wrestle a ton and travel all the time. Kenny Omega, I don't know if he lives in Canada or the U.S. or I don't know what his situation is, but he's going back and forth to Japan. And he's going to do the G1 Classic wrestle like four days in a row well, for a month. That's every separate for a thing. month. But 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 that's just NJPW. Okay, on any month he doesn't do that for NJPW. He has Ring of Honor shows. He has the show in Daytona. He's booking. Here's they have the to difference. hustle for T-shirt sales and, and, and appearances and things like that. WWE does it for you. I'm not saying necessarily that WWE is the best for everyone. It's not. But if you want to have these matches, this is what we're talking about is matches. If you want to have matches with WWE's guys, join WWE. If you're Bobby Lashley no, no. and you want to fight Brock Lesnar, so that's archaic. Join UFC. Brock Lesnar is not coming to Bellator to fight you. It's archaic and, and, and outdated. And by the way, you know what these guys can do, though? They can take two weeks off when they want to. They can work just weekends for two months and be home with their families during the week. Brock I'm Lesnar just saying, hasn't fought since April. It's an archaic. Well, because he's, he's beat the system. All right? Jericho beat the system. I bet you Daniel and Bryan's going to try to beat the system. And I think and these guys, the very elite indie guys, have also beaten the system. So why go back? Why, why do it? Why? Because they're not going back. If they beat the system that well... Now, they were not going to be able to pull, up, pull off a Brock Lesnar deal or a J- Chris Jericho deal in WWE, but they can figure out a way not to have to do the entire house show circuit you know, every single week as part so. of their contract to join WWE. And if you don't think maybe Vince isn't going to sign him that way, but if you don't think Trips sees what's going on, is like, you know what, in order to get Kenny in the Bucks, maybe they only do one house show a week. Uh, that's not the end of the world. They're no going to pay him right? and sign that contract. They'll be doing being the elite during the week. All right, Adam, Hero Zero, number two. Nia Jax, apparently a, a baby face again, I think. I don't know. I got to check out a check again. It changes every day as she accompanied Natalia into the ring for a non-title submission win over Raw Women's Champion Alexa Bliss. Hero Zero, on this development Monday, being the right direction to go as we wait out Ronda Rousey's 30-day suspension. So Nia Jax is the women's big show. Her Whether she's a healer face changes by the week maybe changes by the segment. Um, They have no idea what they're doing with her. The fact that she came out all smiley, happy to help Natty, whose best friend is Rhonda, who almost tapped her out for the title at the pay-per-view, in which Jax was playing the heel side of the match. I mean, what sense does that make? I'm okay with Nia Jax and Bliss having this feud because you need Bliss, the new women's champion, to be doing something until Rousey ultimately takes the title off her, I guess, at SummerSlam. Um... But Natalia just beat her clean via submission. Shouldn't Natalia be in that title match now? She just, she just beat the women's champion clean in the middle of the ring with no schmas or anything like that. So she either a deserves a title shot quick before Extreme Rules, she should be in a triple threat match at Extreme Rules, she should be in a match after, or she should get the SummerSlam title match. Like, the booking, it's well, nonsensical. I wonder Zero. if we'll get the payoff, though. So this week they didn't advance it or explain it, but I'll say this. The match was a hero. I thought that was one of the highlights of Raw. That was, was a, a good really match. good match. And it's a well, hero if Natalia pays off in the storyline where we think she can, and that's as a fake friend for Ronda, who's eventually going to burn her. We'll see what happens. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little hero on that. I'm, I'm ready for it. Not only was it a zero, I accidentally said it was a good match. It was an entertaining match. Alexa Bliss missed two consecutive moves with Natty sp- like sprawled out right in the middle of the ring. She missed them consecutively, and Natty, like, you could see her mentally being like, oh, I have to sell here, even though she didn't hit me. <laughs> It was not a good match. Like, Bliss. Oh, no, I like that. It was, it was she needs to intensity. train in the ring. I, I was feeling that. I was feeling myself. I, I, go I, I go was... watch, like, that moonsault or whatever the hell she did where she missed double knees two times in a row. It was, it was terrible. All right. Moving on here to Zero BC. On that aforementioned Omega conference call. Wow, you really put this in here twice. Okay. Uh, he said he hasn't spoken to CM Punk and doesn't know, quote, if he still has the MMA bug, unquote. 
but added that if Punk was interested in a match, quote, just name the place and the time, unquote. BC Hero Zero that a Punk Omega match is the biggest and best non-WWE match that can be made as the quote-unquote revolution uh, tries to roll on here. Yes, I was thinking about this. This is the match when it comes to not creating 17 stars. But if you're going to compete against WWE, and All In, by the way, was a nice little surprise, right? It sold out in like six seconds. It was a surprise in that regard. All In's big. It's an experiment. It's fun. But All In is not necessarily right now quasi-pseudo indie WrestleMania yet. Like, it is in theory, but Adam, like, the reach is not going to be dramatic right now, right? Like, regular people who used to be wrestling fans don't know or care about what All In is. But if you're going to attract those people to one day care, and maybe it's All In 2 that we get there for something like this, tell me if I'm wrong. Hero to the idea that Punk Omega is the match that touches all the boxes. It brings back the old fans. You bring in all the anti-WWE fans. It's a legitimate match that can compete against the very best dream match that WWE would have to offer. And with Omega in there, you have the best wrestler in the world and a chance to tell a really incredible high-wire type story. This is it. This is the best one. I mean, the answer to the question is hero. Um, but, like, caveats. Like, just Punk need would need to train for six or three months or six months. Right, but he's in Guys, shape. He's in shape. Uh, he's in shape, but he hasn't been wrestling. And to perform with Kenny Omega at a level match that you want to change the course of the revolution and bring in these fans, you need Punk, WWE main event level Punk, not Punk, ECW, or just Punk who hasn't wrestled. Let me give you a time frame then. Let's say this was the, the Wrestle Kingdom main event in January, and we knew about it four months in advance. Punk is doing nothing but getting in shape in that time. Would, would this compete, legitimately compete with WWE if that was the NJPW main event? And you didn't have to watch it at 5 a.m. They, they, let's just say in a different world. Main events of a big, because you, you almost painted yourself into a corner with it being uh, NJPW. But the main event of a major card that Americans can see at a good time. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, it is the match. I'm not denying that. But, like, it's just, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's enough there. Um, if there's a st- good storyline behind it and they bring in some realism, which they tend to do, then yes, I could get behind that. But ultimately, like, I think the way the revolution succeeds is by promoting the people that are the quote unquote revolution. I slept. I'm sorry. All those that are on my side there. Uh, the way the quote unquote anybody. revolution. I, I don't hear anybody on your side. Go ahead. Uh, there's a lot. I get it. They're in, they're in the DMs and the mentions. Um, the way it succeeds is by promoting the guys that are not in WWE and, and not pulling the WCW where you just say, Hey, look, come for the old WWE guys and stay for the couple of dudes that are okay. That we have. It's a fair point. That's, that's why the answer is not Jericho punk or even Brian. Punk. No, it would be punk Omega, but yeah, there the circumstances would have to be right. So the answer is yes, but it would have to be re- like punk would need to be back for a couple months training and it would need to be at a, the right event at the right time in front of the right audience in Chicago, maybe, uh, or New York or something How like about that. Wrigley, damn Wrigley field. All right. Let's put it right in the middle of Ooh, Wrigley field, that's... bro. All right. Wow. Hero zero. Number four, Adam Mojo Rowley turned heel on the idea of anyone having fun again this week when he refused a rematch with no way Jose at SmackDown. He physically assaulted him and he verbally accosted a human cheeseburger. Hero zero on the direction we're going here with heel mojo. I thought it was funny that he told uh, all of the, I, I just want to call them the rosebuds because that's basically what they are. I thought it was funny that he told the rosebuds that none of them will be anything when like Elias and Braun Strowman, Alexa Bliss and like 
there are a bunch of rosebuds that are like main big time names in WWE right now. Um, it was a hero just because it was something different. You know, you expected to have a squash match again and it didn't happen. And, you know, tore that guy apart. Mojo's very good on the mic. And we've seen a couple promos with him in that Zack Ryder feud that they put on Twitter that I shouted out, I think as a feel spot on this show, he can talk and he may not be amazing in the ring, but he's good enough. If they can actually develop a character for him, maybe even change his name. Cause his name really sucks. Um, if they can figure something out, I think he, there's potential there for him. Unlike, Big cast, a guy like him. Didn't where, you say Mojo sucks on the show like a month ago? I don't think I said he sucks. I think the, every angle he's been in has sucked ever. But I like I put him over on the field spot with that promo he cut in his car That's before true. before the rider thing. I, I like him. Um, but he's just he he's nothing right now. So if this is the start of something, then kudos to them and good for them. But I don't necessarily trust that they have more for him beyond squashing No Way Jose this week and then who else is he going to squash or, or fight or what's going to happen going from here? But that segment was very good, and he was very good in it. Yeah, so it was here. a hero, and I feel like he's in better shape. And I feel like whenever someone does that, Zack Ryder, Jinder Mahal, gets in, like, really good shape, good things happen. I feel like he's going in that direction. This was great because that forearm he hit No Way with was stiff. Like, that was stiff. I like I where it's that going. No Way is his first name. That's funny. Yeah, Go yeah. Ahead. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, he would have to beat somebody of substance for it to matter to get out of this mid-card role where no one cares. So, I don't know. Hey, you know what would be great for him? NXT. Let's go back to NXT. Let's put him in a main event feud against some babyface. I would love it. Keep going. All right. By the way, Jose Reyes is apparently using the uh, No Way Jose music as his walk-up, uh, oh, nice, which is nice. kind of cool. Uh, all right. Last one here, Hero Zero. Uh, the B team received a standing ovation uh, from the leaders of Worlds after Curtis Axel's upset win over Matt Hardy Monday night on Raw. Uh, Hardy and uh, Bray Wyatt both clapped, calling it wonderful, as they often do, even when they get beat, That which is an interesting uh, little dynamic to those characters there. Hero Zero, this is a teaser towards a larger reformation of either the Wyatt family or a, just a growth of the Woken Warriors. I'm going to give you both options here. Yeah, I think it is. I'm going to say Hero on this. I, this week really seemed to raise that flag for me. And I know you can say, well, they do the clapping and wonderful. But no, this was a moment that was meant to have an impact for you to think this, right? They gave him a standing ovation. When it was a weird finish, it was meant for you to believe that Hardy really fell and they screwed up or that that's the only way Axel could win a match through a... Right. And it, look, that that runs in, in consistency with the B-team storyline. I think we're going here because we all know as we have seen Bo Dallas dress up as his brother, even though they won't mention it on Raw that they are brothers, that's money right there. These two together, like, I think there's a lot of money left in the Wyatt family long-term, and I've always been upset when they would pull the uh, Blair Rich brothers out of it and then put them back in for no reason. I mean, when Braun Strowman was there, it was amazing. And by the way, who says they can't reunite one day like The Shield is doing? I think with Bray and Bo, fronting the Wyatt family, they could have the greatest success they've ever had, right? So if this is the beginning to get us there, like let's say Bo enters this woken world and shows his brother light and says, why are you hanging out with this absolute dirt hole? Mad hard, broken Mad Hardy or woken, whatever, and screws him up. Like we got potential here. We could like business could be picking up. We could be printing stacks of greens and you know, the Rotundo family will be fired up by this. I'm, 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 come on, come on. We, hey, we met their sister at WrestleMania. What was her name? Micah? Yes, she was nice. Uh, she did some interviews. She was a, uh, yeah, nice girl. Um, <laughs> that was a random, random reference here. I don't know that the Wyatt family gets reformed anytime soon. So because of that, I'm going to say zero. I think it's more likely that they join the Woken Universe, get a little dip in the Lake of Reincarnation. Who knows? Maybe Bo Dallas dons a little IRS. Maybe Curtis ah. Axel. Don, don, 
Mr. Perfect a, a singlet. So I think there's some interesting things that can be done um, in this realm with Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. And I think it's too soon to even begin thinking about breaking them up, them up because even though it's not perfect, it's working pretty well. And you have Jeff Hardy, by the way, on SmackDown, who the commentators, uh, what's his name, Tom uh, Phillips, That's even right. referred to as Jeff Nero Hardy, which I thought was very interesting that they allowed yes. that that little peek into there. So there's something that might be happening maybe after Jeff drops the uh, U.S. title, cross-brand Woken Universe something. Are you thinking who- long-term Hardy Brothers versus Rotunda Brothers feud? Very possible. So I think there's a, a long way for this to go. I don't necessarily think they have it mapped out or have any idea how it would go. We've probably thought more about it than them, unless Jeremy Borash is running it from behind the scenes, which if he is, good for him. Um, so I'm going to say zero to this just because I don't think the next stop is a Wyatt family. And I don't necessarily know, I'm not going to say ever, but that we're going to see a Wyatt family anytime soon. His name is Jeff Harvey. Well, Adam, that'll wrap up Hero or Zero. It's time for the guest of the week. We've got the boss, front and center, Sasha Banks. Enjoy. Sasha Banks, back on the CBS Sports Pro Wrestling Podcast. Great talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. The boss here to talk about, of course, the Special Olympics USA Games, which take place July 1st through 6th in Seattle. WWE taking a big part in promoting this. This marks the 50th anniversary celebration of Special Olympics. Sasha, great, great event that that I've had a personal connection to to for so many years. What's your personal connection to the Special Olympics? Oh, well, I I always wanted to be involvement with the Special Olympics because I have a brother with disabilities and um, I understood what they were going through because I, I grew up with my brother and, and overcoming adversity and, and his disabilities, you know, letting people know that, okay, yes, he has a disability, but he can overcome anything and you just have to treat them like they're normal people. And um, I've got to meet so many amazing athletes and uh, people with Special Olympics over the years and they just have the purest heart of gold and uh, they always bring such a joy to my face. So being a part of this is, you know, always amazing and um, truly an honor to be a part of it. Awesome. The Special Olympics USA Games, uh, you know, such great stories for each of these athletes. And I like what you said. Treat them like normal people. You'll see some incredible athletic performances in there. And I thought it was really cool on Raw just a few weeks back when we saw the Special Olympic athletes get to come out on stage with Big Show and Finn Balor and take part in the in the oh intro God, and the yes. celebration. What was that like for you? Oh, that was so amazing because they, they got to come out right after uh, my match. And I remember being backstage with them. And them coming through that gorilla, you can just see the joy on their faces. When you watch when they, they did Finn Balor's entrance, they, oh my gosh, it, it legit brought such a joy and a smile to my face. Um, you know, that was their center stage, and they felt like superstars at the moment. So it was incredibly cool. Uh, that's why it's such an honor to be a WWE superstar, just to put a smile on people's faces and, you know, just letting them know that they can overcome anything. You know, I'm sure we hear all the time the life of a WWE superstar. The grind is so intense, and we we can't relate (laughs) to that on the outside in. And I know it sounds like a cheesy PR question, but legitimately, what do moments like this, getting to work with the Special Olympics, do to sort of offset that grind? Man, yeah, it it is an everyday grind. But, you know, what we do, only only the best of the best can do it. But, you know, when you get to meet special people like that, it – all that goes away. The, the, the tiredness, the travel, like it's, it's, it doesn't even matter because what's worth it is legit seeing these athletes and seeing the smiles on their faces and hearing their stories and them coming over adversities and, uh, 
you know, what we do is nothing compared to what they do. They're, they're the true heroes and the superstars who are just, uh, you know, playing, playing a role. They're living it. Absolutely. July 1st through 6th in Seattle, of course, Special Olympics USA Games. Great to hear the connection with your family as well. I want to get back to wrestling, of course, and I just said the grind of the road. Sasha Banks, you were just part of a pretty gnarly and exciting Money in the Bank match, which you took a big bump on a ladder from Ember Moon. How are we doing <laughs> after that? People were like almost writing your obituary after that moment. I'm like, I think she's fine, guys. Oh, man, I'm, I'm still uh, recovering from that. My back's a little sore, but, you know, I'm a boss, so I just got to keep on walking. And uh, just off my shoulders, um, Ember Moon, I, I'm ready to come for some revenge because that definitely sucked. But it was such a dream come true to be in a ladder batch. Um, it's so crazy growing up watching, like, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. And, you know, now I'm here doing it exactly what they were doing. So it was a dream come true, and I thought the women killed it, and I thought we did better than the guys. So I can't wait for next year, and hopefully I get the briefcake the briefcase next year. Well, I want to, well, I want to jump into it. You said hopefully you get the briefcase. I've been saying it every week on this podcast. Hopefully Sasha Banks gets more than just the briefcase. So I want to ask you essentially a true or false question because this is a topic we go nuts on a lot. Sasha Banks is the most underused and underrated superstar over the past year and most deserving of a title push on the <laughs> WWE roster. True or false here, Sasha? I think I have to go true. Of course. I, I feel like I go out there every single week and give it 110%. Um, and, you know, most recently I talked to my, one of my good friends, Mark Sherman, and he told me, as long as you work hard, you can't be unhappy with yourself. And that's what I do every single week. As long as I'm going out there and giving it 100%, you know, I can't be mad. Uh, whether how they want to, you know, push me or not, I'm just always going to give it 110%. So no matter what, I'm going to be the legit boss of the NWB. I'm going to keep on putting on great matches and, and still in the show. So... It's going to be me. It's got to get frustrating at times, though. I don't know if you have, like, come, you know, knock-on-the-door moments, like in that scene in Rudy when they walk into the coach's office, they put the uniform down on the desk. They say, we're not going on the field unless you let Rudy play. I'm about to do that to put the title back on Sasha Banks. That's just my personal fandom talking there, all right? <laughs> I appreciate that. But I'm honestly living my dream every single day, so there's not a lot that I could be mad at. I'm That's still fun. being the best, though. That's Whatever. fair. That's fair <laughs> enough. All right. I talked about that big bump before. I had a really fun interview with you just a couple of years ago where you kind of worked me in a really fun way where I'm like, Sasha, I just saw you take another nasty bump and everyone's saying, you know, you might be dangerous. You might be this. You might be that. You're going to get a serious injury. And you were like, quote, this is an exact quote. You said, hey, dude. How do you know I was actually not hurt and wasn't just really good at selling it? And in that moment, I was like, wow. Sasha Banks is better at this than I even thought. So, really, what's the key here to how good you sell this? Because you sell quite often that that might be your last match. Well, I'm, uh, that's what I do. I want to be the best. I want to go down in history as the greatest women's wrestler ever. I mean, in screw women, I want to be going down as the greatest wrestler ever. And I have to convince the fans that, you know, what we do is very real. You know, I, I train legit every single day. I, I own my craft. And, uh just being the best is, is all I, I'm dedicated to being. I, I just need people to know that I'm the best no matter what. I have, like, a, a problem with it. <laughs> I got to be it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a, a great part about your character, that chip on the shoulder, because it feels real. And you just sort of said it is real. But every week when I, I turn it, tune into those things, you know those things called dirt sheets, those really gross, annoying things called dirt sheets, Sasha? Sometimes they tell me, Every week that Sasha's feuding with this person backstage. Oh, no, she really hates Bailey. She hates Charlotte. She hates Paige. She hates everyone. 
How much of this is real? Because I imagine that is a competitive backstage environment. Everyone's fighting for the same goal. Do we do we get a we rub uh, shoulders here the wrong way sometime? Um, like you said, it's a dirt sheet. It's a rumor. It's what's whatever you guys want to make believe. You guys can believe in anything you want. You can believe that I'm a good guy, a bad guy. But at the end of the day, I'm just going to be Sasha Banks. So, uh, you know, I, I read a lot of the stuff and it makes me laugh. So it entertains me and obviously it entertains you guys too, because you guys can believe whatever you guys want to hear. So to me, it doesn't matter as long as you respect my work and, uh, you know, want to see Sasha Banks every week. That's what I'm going to do. Hey, if, if it's true though, and Sasha Banks is hard to work with. I say, keep doing it. What you're doing is perfect out there. So don't change a thing, Sasha. And don't <laughs> change a thing in this feud with Bailey, which has provided a lot of, I guess what the kids call the feels. I'm catching the feels all the time. Why do you guys work so good together? <laughs> um, I think because we are almost one of the same. I feel like I am the devil on someone's shoulder and she's the angel. And for some reason, Bailey is my kryptonite. I, I just can't beat her. Even though I know that I'm best and I'm better than her, she is my kryptonite. And I have to show the world that, you know, she's not as good as me. I'm better than her. I'm better than all these women's wrestlers out here. And I'm just the best. I, that's just period. That's why I have a chip on my shoulder because no matter how, how much I prove it every single week, there's people that doubt me. And I have to keep on proving these doubters that, you know, I am the greatest. And Bailey's one of them. All right, all right. I'll take that. I hope this goes – I hope we go some, like – women's version of the mega powers explode here there's there's a couple you know some some hogan savage stuff i'm feeling you, you catch any of them feels there Sasha? oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love it love it all right i want to make another bold statement to you here all right i know pro wrestling these days heel and face it's all blurred but i miss heel sasha banks really bad like really bad so i know i can't be alone and i know that that run you had in nxt as a bad guy, quote-unquote, was, was sensational, and it launched you into this main roster run. But you can't tell me right now that heel boss against, like, Ronda Rousey isn't a SummerSlam main event waiting to happen. Come on, can we get the heel back? I, I mean, I hear that all the time, and it's been over three years, and that's not up to me. It's up to the fans. They're the ones who choose. So when they boo me, that's when I become a bad guy. Right now they're cheering me because, I mean, look at me. I'm cute. I'm the best. <laughs> I think you moved it's too much merch. To that's got to be your problem. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. How would you sum up Ronda Rousey's first few months on the roster? Man, she has been killing it. She has proven all the doubters wrong. And uh, it's so crazy to see her matches. I'm like in shock. I'm in awe. I loved her match at WrestleMania. I loved her match at Money in the Bank. And uh, I think definitely think she's one to watch. I can't believe Money in the Bank was only her second match. And I am so impressed. And, uh, I hope that I get to wrestle her in the future. I'm really excited for her career in the WWE, and, uh, man, she really has been killing it. What does she do? Take me inside baseball here. What is something she does that you watch her and you go, wow, she's way ahead of the game in this specific compartment? Um, her, her overall performance. Um, to me, when I watched that match at Money in the Blank, I believed every single thing that she took. I believed that she was in pain. I believed that she was hurt, and I probably she really was. Um, She's entertaining. She, 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 she just, for me, I feel like she gets it. And I think because she was a fan growing up, so she knows what our audience wants to see. And um, she, she just makes me feel everything that she's going through. And um, I think that's one of the hardest things about being uh, a WWE superstar is just making people feel. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, making it feel like, oh, am I, is she hurt or not? Um, man, I'm a, I'm a big fan of her. I, when I first heard that she was going to be here, I was a little like, oh, that's not really fair. But she has proven that, you know, she belongs, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited for her to be here with us. 
All right, Sasha, you were also in the headlines this past week when this indie rock band, The Mountain Goats, suddenly come out with this new song, Song for Sasha Banks. And everybody's like, hey, remember when uh, Sasha tweeted at them three years ago? Tell me about this story. What's going on here? Man, yeah, so I heard a song called uh, Chavo Guerrero from The Mountain Goats, and I was instantly a big fan, and I tweeted them that I wanted a song. And they told me, yeah. And then three years later, I'm like, hello, I'm still waiting. I'm the boss. You can't make me wait. And um, I finally got my song, and I listened to it. It was right before Money in the Bank, too, so it was the perfect timing. I started crying just because it's like they mentioned my brother, they mentioned my journey, and about never giving up. And um, it's, it's a huge honor just to have someone listen to your story who's you know famous and um, create something so magical. It really helped me with Money in the Bank, too, and I, I thought it was so beautiful. That's that's a that's really cool to see, to, and just to see those moments when you cross over, when you get on other people's minds, you know, and other forms of entertainment. That's got to be awesome to see you pumping this in the locker room. That might that might get you some backstage heat if you start pumping that theme song back there. That's all I'm saying. I don't think so. It's a great song. They might like it and want to join in, sing with me. My brother and me. My brother and me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The little acapella there. All right, Sasha Beck, hear me out on this last statement. I want I want to make to you here. All right. Your 2016 feud with Charlotte, like, it's amazing. I, I, I think it's women's wrestling at its peak. But I'm going to remove that for a second. I'm going to also remove the run you had with Bailey okay. and NXT that people rightfully, you know, uh, uh, say maybe change the game, maybe change the business in another direction. All great stuff. But when I talk about Sasha Banks in NXT and my favorite angle, my favorite story, it's that buildup with Becky Lynch on the way to NXT TakeOver Unstoppable, May 2015. I know you remember this. You were there. Come on. Come back in time with me when, you know, this great story being told where you try to recruit Becky into doing some evil ways, you know, some heel ways, like we mentioned, leads to that match. It's 15 minutes of glory. I've talked to Becky about it on the show in the past. Please try to convince me that I'm not crazy. And this is arguably the most non-ratchet stuff in your entire career. This might be the top shelf. I know the other stuff got more attention, but that Becky feud was something there. Come on. Oh, no, that was very special. I, I know... Back then, every time I was going to have a takeover match, I wanted it to be the greatest and I wanted it to be different. And, uh, you know, my chemistry with the four horsewomen, whether it's Charlotte, Bailey, or Becky, um, you know, I always have something very special with them. And that's definitely a match that I really enjoyed doing. I loved it. I remember just being in that moment. I was like, this is so much fun because the crowd is just so into it. And it was a different style for me at the point, too, just showing the fans that, you know, I'm more than just a high flyer and the, you know, ground and pound. I was really technical, too. Um, it's uh, it's definitely one of my favorite matches that I've ever had in my career. All right. That was a chain wrestling tour de force there, I think. I think that was the match that really pulled me on to <laughs> this whole women's revolution thing that was happening. And I, I, never, I never came back from that. All right, Sasha, they, what the WWE doesn't do enough of, by the way, is bring back retro T-shirts. Because I would wear an I'm Not Ratchet shirt. I don't know who, I can, who you can get me in contact with WWE shop. We should bring that back. True or false? <laughs> I've never actually had that shirt. I had to make it myself. Oh, that's 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 so that's so good. That's just that's Bush League. We got to we got to bring that back. Sasha Banks, pleasure to chat with you. The Special Olympics USA Games, of course, takes place July 1st through 6th in Seattle, the 50th anniversary celebration of the Special Olympics. Thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck in the future. Get that belt. Get the briefcase. Just get it all. All right. Get, pound on that desk if you have to. All right. I'll, I'm right behind you. Thank you so much. Special thanks to Sasha Banks, Adam, and for more information on the Special Olympics USA Games, hey, check out www.specialolympicsusagames.org. The opening ceremony, July 1st, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Adam, interesting uh, bunch of nuggets. I'll say this about Sasha. Talk to her many times. 
She can't get out of that kayfabe zone, though. Come on, you're better than that, Sasha Banks. What are you doing? It's 2018. We don't do this anymore. Well, I kind of like it. I, I mean, I don't know the other settings in which you've interviewed her, but I, I'm guessing they've all been in a press-like situation. It'd be interesting to get her in a studio or a one-on-one backstage or something like that and try to break that wall. But I kind of like that she keeps it kayfabe because she loves the business. She's really all about it. And even getting into the Bailey stuff, which we'll talk about probably in a minute here, um, even in your interview, which was before Monday night's uh, show, she kept it like uh, she thinks she's better than me. And that's the well, long I, okay. running storyline. I don't mind I like protecting the reveal. I don't mind even working me, meaning like I asked her about the backstage. She probably, like I don't mind being worked on that. Sure. I just don't like when the natural knee-jerk response on things that you don't need to go kayfabe is, sure, sure. is you know, like on that Bailey question, I don't need you to tell me what's going to happen next. I do need you to tell me working with Bailey so great because we're best friends behind the scenes and we push each other and blah, blah, blah. That's what I need. I don't need the, uh, well, I'm Bailey's kryptonite. And like, you know, come on, you know? So that's fair. That's fair to, to, to also be fair to her. You don't know what they've told her in terms of interviews, coaching her up at NXT She's really, I mean, she did have, she did do work before WWE and NXT, but the basis of her um, wrestling existence is the WWE universe. It's not like when we interviewed Aleister Black or Adam Cole, where they were very quick to cut the crap and just kind of talk to us, level with us and and answer the questions that we were really trying to provide them. So I don't necessarily blame her for that. Uh, I'm just more, I am more interested though in talking to her real for an extended 30 minute interview period of time where we can actually ask some of the questions that we've been really curious about whether it's a heat back, quote unquote, alleged heat backstage, or why the hell is every time you, you hold the title for 20 days? Well, like, I, why can't, I like that why can't you get least, an extended title run, you know, I stuff like, like that. I like that she at least agreed and was real on the sense that she's underused. She took the company road, though, because, look, you're not going to make your bosses unhappy and be like, yeah, sure. Vince, why are you not, you know, on some random guy's podcast? I will say I was overly over the top and almost obnoxious in my question asking to try to get her to break out of that kayfabe cage. It worked to a certain degree, but I want to hit the idea of the backstage heat. And I gave her an opportunity, you know, the alley-oop to sort of, you know, take a whiz on, on dirt sheets. And she did, but she still kind of kept it gray. Like, you know, yeah, it might be working you. Cause that's what you guys want. You guys want to be worked. Adam, these characters, if we go to, Vin- to Steve Austin's famous saying of to be your best character, you have to take your own personality and turn it up to a 12. I do believe that even though we can get worked and we do get worked, that Sasha Banks probably is kind of a caddy behind the scenes girl who thinks she's the best and wants everybody to know that and maybe might not be the easiest to work with and maybe sometimes does get in beefs with people. And we've seen Charlotte, not for purposes of pushing a storyline, publicly admit that they were once great friends in NXT, but now they really don't talk or get along. I think, though, that that makes her even better because that's, so, yeah. that's her true self. I think it's one thing if you think you're better than you are, and there's plenty of wrestlers who have come and gone and done that, okay? One of them being Enzo Amore, who, who we, you know, as, as obvious of a, of a current example as one can give, she's as good as she thinks she is. She is. She is my favorite women's wrestler. And that's not uh, a character or Besides a Rousey, storyline. come on, guy. Come on, don't do this to yourself. Besides Rousey. She's who, who do you like more than, than her as a women's wrestler? I love her. I'm saying you. I know you. You you friggin', you know, Ronda Rousey to the to the nines. Don't try to say Sasha's she's your not, favorite wrestler. No, Ronda's not. Ronda's my favorite thing going, that, you know, that I hope that they put over. Don't, don't, this is not one of those situations. I, you know how much I love Sasha Banks, okay? Top to bottom, her entire career, what she's done in NXT, what she's been able to do thus far, while restricted in WWE. She's my favorite. And more more importantly than that, I think as a wrestler, not someone like Rousey who's coming in from the outside as an athlete 
uh, more legit, quote unquote, she has the highest ceiling because there's no reason that Sasha Banks can't hold a women's title for a year, be involved in every major feud, um, be the quote unquote ratchet persona that she had in NXT that worked so well in feuds against Bailey and Becky Lynch and and um, Charlotte Flair, etc. So I think I've always thought that Sasha's ceiling is like untouched. Like it's the roof. As Michael Jordan would say, the ceiling is the roof with her. Remember when she first entered the main roster? I mean, David Shoemaker, our friend at at the ringer basically would say on his podcast that he thinks she's the only female with the rock potential. You know, you have the connection with, with Snoop Dogg to really own a character so much that you become a household name and can leverage that into other areas, whether it's music and acting or commercials or whatever they've failed in this sense, obviously, Adam, from not making her that, the feud with Charlotte was incredible, but she's fell into this 50-50, you know, friend zone that a lot of these wrestlers get in where, like Becky's in, where it's just like, well, I never get a title. I'm used in, in these multi-women matches as a potential to win, but I never win. Do you think, though, if the backstage heat is true, that there's a correlation there, or it's just they don't know how to book women? I think they chose Alexa Bliss over her, and that's it. They saw, they, Vince, Vince, saw, Vince saw another pretty blonde. Is she a former cheerleader or dancer or something? Whatever uh, she is. Muscle competition. What, b- yeah, bodybuilding yeah, fitness model or whatever. Yeah. Um, she, he saw another one of those who is, to her credit, fantastic on the mic and a great heel. And he said, that's my girl. Yeah, Sasha, Sasha's trips Sasha, girl. whatever. And you know there's a divide. You know there's a divide, but when tri- Chips takes over, Chips, look at this. When Trips takes over the world, when your guy H takes it over, Sasha will be right there next to him. And you know this, because by the way, WrestleMania 30, when Trips came out and that stupid thing, those three girls next to him, right? Yeah, and and by the way, Sasha, it's been reported at least, just re-signed with WWE, and, and people act like there was anywhere else for really a women's wrestler, a top-tier women's wrestler to go that – Yes, you can wrestle in Ring of Honor and you can do stardom and some other stuff. But if you're a really top tier women's wrestler, WWE truthfully is the only real place to, to have yourself uh, promoted to that you're kind of level. You're either going to MMA or you're going to acting if you right. leave WWE. You're not going so, anywhere else. So she just resigned. There's plenty of time. She's still young. This isn't you know sounding the alarm of panic yet for her. But it is strange that she's held like the title four times and her combined reign is like, 60 days it's really it's really ridiculous i think one of them she held six days like it's really getting ridiculous for her but one second i want to get 10 seconds to your reaction because you're the rousey guy on this podcast and she was over and above praising ronda rousey like rousey's my almost saying like rousey's my best friend did you take that as real I, i couldn't tell if she was buttering it on to make sure that nobody believes there's any backstage heat because she was so praiseworthy like to the millionth degree or do you think she's just impressed no, I think that's totally real. Every single women woman that's been asked about Rousey has basically said the same thing. And I don't think that's them being careful with Vince's new toy and like, you know, not wanting to ruffle any feathers. Brian, we see it in the ring. She's incredibly impressive. You can say the mic work isn't there because it's not. And they put her in really bad situations, you know, uh, storyline wise and, and whatever else from a booking perspective. But in the ring, she's she sold for Nia Jax and it, it looked it looked like Nia Jax was a beast, okay? And no one else has been able to do okay, that. Okay, you're not wrong, but here's the real answer. And I decoded Banks's tone in her words. And this is what my conspiracy natural tendencies are telling me. Okay, ready? Yeah, she does respect Ronda. But more importantly, Banks wants to be the very best. And she wants to be involved in the things that truly matter. She wants to be the first women to main event at WrestleMania. She knows that Rousey is the ticket to get there. So if she's crazy praiseworthy and says things like, well, I'd love to work with her. That's her way of getting there. 
Well, she will work her, with her, and she'll job to her Bang. on her way to, on her way to facing Charlotte Flair or Oscar or someone like that at WrestleMania. And uh, not her fault. I would listen if you told me, "Hey, Adam, we're not going to tell you the rest of the card. Main event at WrestleMania 35: Ronda Rousey, Sasha Banks." I am all in for it. Okay, no question. That is the match I want to see. I want to see it more than Flair, more than Oscar. That is the women's match I want to see. Main eventing the first WrestleMania. Do I think there's any chance that we get that? No. 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 I just I did like that reference you just made. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh uh, yeah. All right. Hey, what? Hey, we got this. Uh, this Banks. This Banks Bailey thing's heating up. Though. Yeah. Speaking of we haven't. We haven't really had the opportunity to discuss it in the show because we basically saved it for here. But things really kicked into gear when this Sasha Banks Bailey feud on Monday night, as we've discussed, they started it way too early to get the storyline into that women's battle royal at WrestleMania. Um, and they just dragged it on and got it really convoluted from there. But the last couple of weeks, really the last two weeks, they're starting to pay this thing off. And Monday night, Bailey brutally attacked Sasha with, in something that you wouldn't be wrong to say that it might have been a potential heel turn. Except she got roundly cheered by the crowd, uh, stood over, you know, basically beat her up in the ring, threw her into the steel steps twice, stood over her, um, you think you're better than me, which continues their long-term storyline about each of them saying that. And then Sasha, you ain't bleep. And that bleep is an S word that we don't say on the show because we don't have the explicit tag. BC, I loved this. And if we weren't talking about it here, it would have been my feel spot for the week. Wow, right? In the feel spot. It was fantastic. It was great. And, you know, look, Bailey's the Janetti long-term. We know this. I don't think they're going to do a real heel turn because she's so pure. I don't think you get the real payoff because once you do the heel turn just for a feud with Sasha, let's say, she can't be a long-term feud. It's not going to work. It's got to be a short season, and you may ruin her long-term. You've already kind of ruined her. Long-term, the best thing she could be, in my mind, is somebody that floats in the mid-card as the lovable Bailey, and she just stays that way. So I don't think they're going to turn her, but this was the right move. Obviously, Sasha's the one that needs to be turned long run, and I still don't get why she's a babyface. Sasha said in the interview, she said, the fans decide. The fans keep cheering me. It's not really It's not really how it works. Like The fans, well, the fans, yeah, no, it's not. And Roman kind of says the same thing. He's like, well, if the fans boo me, then I'm a heel. No, it's how you're booked. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's nothing to do with being a badass heel who becomes a face. No, they're booking you as a face, Roman. Sasha, they've been booking you as a murky face, okay? They need to turn her heel. I think this clearly was not a heel turn because commentary didn't put it over as such. Yes. And Mike Cole is and Corey are way talented enough where if that was a heel turn, they say, what the hell is Bailey doing? She snapped. She's maniacal. You know, whatever, whatever the case, right? They sell it as a heel move. They didn't do that. They basically said she's had enough of the bullying or whatever from Sasha that she fi- finally did something about it and grew a backbone. So this is more Bailey growing a backbone than it is a heel turn. But hopefully this gives Sasha Banks the opportunity to turn heel. Maybe they're doing this counseling thing next week on Raw. I'm really hoping Dr. Shelby reappears, which <laughs> is a strange tie-in with Team Hell No coming back on SmackDown. And they're having c- couples counseling between Sasha and Bailey. So maybe there's an opportunity for that heel turn from Sasha Banks in the coming weeks. But BC, I've been saying this, you know I have, for months. Ever since WrestleMania and even a little bit before it. If they pay this off with a great match at SummerSlam... In the, with these two in Brooklyn, side of their famous NXT match, it's all a victory ultimately because this is. is what we need. It is. We need it. We need it. We're getting there. It's on a good path to get there. Adam, 
that'll wrap up that. Well, that was an interview segment, but we're no DMs this week. And I hear from the people and I love the people, but we can't stop doing these two and two and a half hour shows. The DMs will return. But speaking of DMs, Adam, pay-per-view rewind will also return. And it was viewers choice this time around. We implored the listeners to send in their requests. We went over them we had a lot of really good and unique ones and ultimately hey let's re let's rewind then shall we oh my god oh my god we have chosen from rico grand at rich around 1501 rich around that's uh wow that's fantastic right there rico says if you're taking suggestions for pay-per-view rewatch hey bro it's called rewind right come on Come on, you're better than that. But he says, with the anniversary of Owen Hart's death recently passing, uh, this is not good English, but here's what he said. With it recently passing, <laughs> he wants SummerSlam 94, Brett versus Owen. He, the Hearts, obviously. He says literally eight cage months. Match, right? Cage match, literally eight months of buildup from Royal Rumble to SummerSlam, 40-minute classic, end quote. Adam, when I first read this, I thought it said WrestleMania 10 because that's the match, of course, that comes right to mind when you think of their feud. When I, I even emailed you, said, hey, I think this is when we should pick WrestleMania 10. I went back and read the fine print. And he was like, no, SummerSlam 94, the cage match. My first reaction was I had forgotten about that match and then realized that's probably even better than WrestleMania 10. I am fired up to break this down. And Adam, I want to reveal this now. When we deliver on the show, we deliver not only next week, the holiday week, 4th of July week, will we give you pay-per-view rewind of SummerSlam 94, Brett versus Owen Hart, just months after their WrestleMania 10 opener, which nearly stole the show. We will have Brett Hart on to talk about it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, this is big. And and, uh, before we get to the Brett Hart interview, let me just say, uh, Rico Grande, great call, not just on the feud, but picking the proper match. If we are going to watch Brett versus Owen, this is the one I want to see, not WrestleMania 10. I've seen that match plenty of times. It's very good. Spoiler alert, this one's better. On to Bret Hart. Yes. Uh, from what, you know, I've seen the transcript. The interview has gone down already. We're, we're uh, polishing it up, shining it up real nice, sending it straight into your ear holes next week. Um, I'm excited to have him on the show. Uh, you know, listen, he discusses topics. Where I'm not going to, you know, uh, tease the bag here because, you know, otherwise we'll get the mess. But let's just say he goes off on everyone and gives us some legitimate insight into a lot of topics that we were absolutely curious about, including why Owen Hart is not in the WWE Hall of Fame today. A lot of great stuff will come with this. I, I you know, I, we don't try to be the one who says we told you so and do the very Horowitz and pet our backs too often unless we're fooling around. But this is one next week you want to cut away some time. 40 minutes with Bret Hart. Yes, we'll get into Bret versus Sean and all that. But this is Bret Hart bringing it and maybe just maybe part of the Bret Hart mold. I may be changing my tune on part of it. I don't want to give anything away, but I'm an anti-Bret Hart guy but I really enjoyed going up and down the road with him. I want to tell you, I want to tell you all about it next week and let you hear it. You're not necessarily anti-Bret Hart. We're just in the camp of Sean was better. Yeah, and we're in the camp of like, hey, stack guy Greg, get off that mountain that Brett's the best of all time. All right, get the <laughs> uh, heck off of that mustache mountain. I will say one thing. This episode, just a programming note for everyone. Next week's episode will come out before the 4th of July. We know everyone's going to be busy on the holiday, which falls on a Wednesday when we normally produce the show. So make sure you have that pay-per-view rewind match, SummerSlam 94, Brett versus Owen, completely watched by Monday night. Show will come out, like I said, before Wednesday. You'll have it for any traveling that you do. 
Uh, it's a show that you're not going to want to miss, as BC said. And if you follow us on Twitter at In This Corner CBS, you will know the second that it was released, that it is released, and you'll be able to listen to it right away. Yeah, and that's a uh, 35 minute match. It's the co main of SummerSlam 94 in Chicago. Check that out. Adam, we close by putting our hands directly in the field spot. I got a unique one for you this week because I didn't see the video of it, and I don't think there is video of it, but Minoru Suzuki. The, what is he, 50 years old of, of NJPW, celebrated the 30th anniversary of his wrestling career, and he did so in his hometown of Yokohama at the Great Pirate Festival in a 30-minute outdoor draw in the driving, pouring rain against Kazuchika Okada. Feel spot activated because the pictures were incredible with the rain coming down, Okada standing on the turnbuckle. It's an outdoor match in the back of a warehouse. It's just gritty. And the reason why it kind of popped me was it reminded me of the 80s when I would get all the wrestling magazines, know that there's this giant Jim Crockett promotions pay-per-view coming up. No, I have no access to see it, right? Some of these weren't even televised or, or UWF or AWA. There would be a giant show coming up and I wouldn't be able to see it. But I couldn't wait to get the wrestling magazine to find out who won, to see the pictures and almost play the match out in my mind. This was kind of like that. I mean, I read that it ended in a 30 minute draw, but shout out to Suzuki, who's still bringing it. I can't wait for the G1 this year. He was awesome last year in it. And going the 30 minute draw with Okada in the pouring rain, a real kind of iconic moment. Feel spot activated. That's cool. I um, Mine's really short and sweet. Uh, 205 Live this week, another good show. You know, not as great as some of the recent ones we've seen just because Matt, they didn't have that kind of match. Um, but Leo rush made his WWE main roster debut. And I really think his second or maybe third WWE match total. I think he was only on NXT once or twice on those taped shows. Um, but he came out, he's doing this, uh, basically it's like a, I don't even know what you, how to describe the gimmick, but it's almost like a, a too cool for school, you know, rapper situation. Um, he's the man of the hour is, is what they're calling it. And, you know, he comes to the ring filled with jewelry, takes it off very slowly, delays the start of the match. But point is combination character work in ring ability. He beat a job or, you know, a Joe Barra, as PC would say, um, you know, no, no one of significance is the point, but I saw a lot of flashes from this guy in about six or seven minutes that he was on TV where it really made me believe Leo Rush is going to be something special in WWE. And it's going to be very difficult for him to make a transition to the actual main roster one day because he's, I mean, he's billed at 160. So he's <laughs> actually like 130. This guy is, is like 5'2". He's five. He's billed at, he's billed at 5'6", 160, which means he's like 5'4", 140, okay? He is tiny. But the way he moves about the ring, forget Rick, Ricochet, Osprey, these guys are awesome. I've never seen anyone move in a wrestling ring or even outside of a wrestling ring like this guy, it's truly something to see. I'm very curious how they use him. I thought the character work was really good, so that's why it hit me in the field spot. Would you call him a pocket rocket, or is that weird? I mean, it's definitely weird, but it works. All right, all right. Hey, this week, we were pretty happy. We didn't get any of these moments. How about you guys shut the F up and let me talk for a minute, okay? Yeah, oh, that guy's angry. That guy's, uh, what is it? Was that your medulla amblongata that got uh, irritated there? Come on. <laughs> you were ornery. Anyway, Adam, uh, we're going to have to get out of here, so. Hey, you know, say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye. Okay, now get out of here. Oh, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. No, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. It's a rough business. Follow us on the Twitter webs at In This Corner CBS at Silverstein Adam at B Campbell CBS. Check out our good guy, our good friend Nick Costos 
on CBS Sports HQ every weeknight evening. Adam, do you have any message for the listeners? Any anyone you want to shout out on the way out? You got anything to say? Say it. I mean, what, what, do, what do you got to say? Just say it. Why don't you just spit it out? We out.